This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Check it out, Corporal. Roger, Roger. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, we're three weeks into this, and the search is still on. For Baby Yoda. Has anyone spotted Baby Yoda in the aisles of your local Target, your Disney store? Heck, even the Disney parks. Has anyone seen Baby Yoda? There were articles last week that were promising that we would see the first... Well, they were promising an onslaught of merchandise. In fact, I I, I believe it was... um, it was uh, it was is across all the big trades. I think uh, was it uh, Vanity Fair had a piece about it. Uh, well, the, the ones that really went after it were CNBC because they're looking after the, uh, the all the stockholders, all the shareholders there at Disney, saying, "Hey, don't worry about what happens at the box office with the Last Jedi because we've got a little insurance policy, uh-huh. and it starts with Baby Yoda." So I think that's what's going on, but. Um, there has been some follow-up and the, um, well, we'll get to it, but perhaps it's not exactly the Baby Yoda Christmas that we were all expecting. But you know what? It's not Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. Welcome uh, once again to the annual Rebel Force Radio Thanksgiving special, where we try to do our best to put a focus on your feedback, your voicemails, your emails, where we give thanks to you, our loyal rebel force radio listeners but this is going to be a tough year because there is so much news there is so much stuff to cover of course you got jj abrams kathleen kennedy daisy ridley the rest of the cast of the rise of skywalker out there making the rounds as we count down just uh, we're, we're down to just a few weeks before the release of this film so lots to uh, talk about we are thankful to be with you and thankful you are with us and i'm thankful that I don't have to do this alone each and every week. I'm so thankful to have my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack, right hey, here Hey, Jason. Me. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, Baby Yoda. Uh, everyone's looking for a piece of that little guy, both on the show and in reality. You know, I, I got tempted by a Facebook ad yesterday that was offering Baby Yoda figures, and there was a photo, and I clicked on it, and before I started to go down that rabbit hole too much further, I backed off Uh because uh, I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. The last time I clicked on a Facebook ad was for a Black Series Darth Vader helmet for only 25 bucks. Yeah, I took that bait. Still you waiting on the and helmet, brother Billy Mac. Yeah, I think the three of us did. The three of us uh, all jumped in on that. Too good to be true. Yeah, I think so. Um, never saw that Darth Vader helmet, and I had the feeling this Baby Yoda thing was uh, 
kind of hard to rush into production so fast. Well, so I figured even if it was a legit offer, they'd probably be backed up so much that I wouldn't see that little guy show up in my mailbox anytime soon. So I decided to pass and just simply wait for some a fish merch to hit the shelves. And then I'll make up my mind. I, I mean, I, I, I want one for well, sure. Talk about a beloved character. I don't think any Star Wars character has made its debut and received such instant and universal love like the asset has received. The ch- By the way, it's officially the child, uh, though I love Baby Yoda. And I think even after we know exactly who or what this character is, I think we're always going to call him Baby Yoda. He'll always be Yoda, Baby yeah, Yoda to Baby Yoda. Us. But here's the, here's the thing, right? So Baby Yoda is probably, well, I wouldn't say probably. It is, I believe, the top story when it comes to Star Wars, uh, in, especially in mainstream media. They can't stop yeah. talking about it. We're, later on escape. in the program, we're going to hear Daisy Ridley's on uh, with Jimmy Fallon uh, just a couple nights ago. And one of the first things he asks her is, what do you think about Baby Yoda? Mm-hmm. We'll have her reaction coming up. But um, there's been some controversy, and uh, it started out with, um, what was it? It was Vice Magazine. Was it Vice? Uh, Vulture. No, the Vulture. So they did this um, sort of guide to, what did they call it? It was the Guide to the Mandalorian. It was an illustrated guide to Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and it was really well illustrated. It was almost like a, a a little golden book. You know what I'm talking about? Those little golden yeah. books? Sure, um, sure. Really great animation that took you through the story of the first three episodes of The Mandalorian, but kind of like with Baby Yoda as the as as the focus. And uh, it just it took off like crazy. People were sharing the uh, the images. And of course, people have been sharing gifts. You know, you go to Jiffy or Giphy uh, dot com and uh, you can get an extension on your uh, on your iOS device. So you can actually send these uh, gifts in your messages, um, you know, and, and it's just it's everywhere. It's inescapable. That's how people express themselves with these short little uh, three framed videos and so, of course, Baby Yoda was so memeable, one of the most memeable things to come along in a long time, that people went crazy. They started sharing all of these different memes and these different gifts, and uh, all of a sudden, they just disappeared. They vanished. They vanished, and even Vulture's story uh, got taken down. Mm. And, of course, everybody jumped to the conclusion that it had to have been the lawyers at Disney, right? Mm. Which mm-hmm. makes no sense because, look, I know that lawyers can debate fair use all they want and, and it, it's, the, the law isn't completely settled on it. But the fact of the matter is that if you take someone's work, you only really have a case if you can show that there is potential loss, right, as a result of it. So, in other words, they would have to make the leap to say that this, you know, half a second gif is mm-hmm. going to take the place of watching an episode of The Mandalorian, right? Right, I yeah. mean, it's, it's such a stretch that we, you think that... because So the other way this stuff works is it really helps promote and publicize in a much larger way the thing that you're, um, th- that you're putting out there for people to see. So it spreads, it becomes viral, right? So this is very elementary to most of the people listening to this. Yeah. But right. of course, as soon as... Not to me, though. Can, I always learn something from you, Jason. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, you know how this stuff works. You you don't give yourself enough credit. But the the, the point is that um, it all got taken down, and um, but the Giphy website just a couple of days later. Uh, had to come out and clarify because, of course, Disney was getting the brunt of the blame in all of this. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, so this is according to the, the Giphy website. They said, uh, last week there was some confusion around certain content uploaded to Giphy, and we temporarily, remo- temporarily removed these GIFs while we reviewed the situation. We apologize <laughs> to both Disney and Vulture for any inconvenience, mm-hmm. and we're happy to report that the gifts are once again live on Giphy. So we're left to speculate as to what the confusion was. Uh, the confusion, and I've got a theory about this. I think it was um, uh, overreaching lawyers and uh, copyright, uh, you know, infantry from Disney that I think overreached. From Disney? I do, I do. Or what about from Giphy? Maybe the Giphy people posted that stuff and their lawyers said, what are you doing? No, this is all uploaded. Giphy doesn't generate this stuff. Oh, I see. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Giphy's the platform. You're you're right. I don't. I don't know anything. So, Um, but 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 the point is, but I think that they, I think that there had to look Giphy is full of little clips in memes, animated, you know, shorts. Uh, mm-hmm. that you would put in your uh, instant messages or your emails or whatever that are taken from all kinds of source material, from mm-hmm. movies to TV shows and music videos. I mean, it's all over the place. They live and breathe by this stuff. So the only way, in my judgment, they would take anything down is if they got if they got threatened. Now, to Disney's credit, I think they recalibrated because the outcry was very fast and very loud, saying, well, you're not, wait a minute, you introduce... Finally, you've got something that unites Star Wars fandom. We're all rallying around it. We all want to enjoy it. And then you're going to take that away from us, too? You know, yeah, right. it's... It, who knows? First but, you took Luke Skywalker's balls. <laughs> then you took away... No. And Happy that was Thanksgiving, ne- everyone. <laughs> and that was never a gift. Okay? No. Luke's balls were never a gift. No. Luke sucking a gift, on a the... Gift. Uh, the teat of the, the the sea cow that now that that's you can find those all over the place. Now, see, and that those offends me. that offends oh, that, me. Great. That you would like to take down, right? I think I would. I think I'm going to contact the Disney lawyers and I'm going to have them take that down and us while they're at it, too. <laughs> but no, see, that's but, just the, yeah, go ahead. OK, the thing about Baby Yoda. Now, could there be some sort of uh, communication going on? with Disney and this uh, Giphy website mm-hmm. about uh, crossing the line with Disney properties. You, know, you go ahead and have your fun, but if you release anything that could be considered a spoiler or mm-hmm. could ruin the surprise of one of our upcoming releases, then the hammer's going to come down on you. And so maybe the people at Giphy said, oh, my God, this Baby Yoda thing, we can't have this. This is a big reveal in The Mandalorian. And you know what Disney says. I don't know. I mean, this well, there is, you know, inner um, and uh, outer communication going on between big corporations. And we know that Disney controls their IP pretty tightly. 
Well, and I think I, maybe a way of doing that is to be diplomatic with websites and let them know what you expect of them and well, maybe give these one of those websites a target. All right. So here's what I think is at the crux of all of this is that we know that there was a there was an embargo on Baby Yoda for all mm-hmm. of the licensees. And you can imagine how this would spread throughout the corporation. Right. All the tentacles. So baby, everybody was on high alert about Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone who handles all the licensing um, and, you know, the imagery, everything, right? You couldn't, you couldn't have Baby Yoda out there at all until the episodes premiered. And I would also think that there was probably confusion about when do we allow this to happen when when right. will the gate open when we're going to ele- when when does the embargo lift now we had stories that were running uh last week that said that this past weekend was going to be the lift of the embargo and we would see the stores flooded you know cnbc said we're gonna be flooded with baby yoda merchandise <laughs> right we're gonna uh, get and to our, that. If our listener did send me a photo of a t-shirt that he had acquired all right we're gonna get it to seemed all legit that. yeah uh, <laughs> that's but that's key right it seemed legit. It seemed legit. It's like me and with that did. Facebook ad. Yeah, right. But so what I think is there was a ton of sensitivity, uh, oh, hypersensitivity. I think that once these giffies started coming out, these these gifts, people, st- the, the 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 folks at Disney, the, the 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 people that are in charge to patrol this stuff, I think they looked at it and I think they were like, well, wait a minute, is it, is this a product? I know we, we don't license this, but this is still a product. It's a thing that's out there, and it's Baby Yoda, and people don't buy it, but they can get it, and blah, blah, blah. They can download it, and I think that they went out, and I think they reached out to Giphy about this embargo, and I think Giphy pulled them down with the idea that they were going to eventually let everything out. I know this makes no sense. This only makes sense in corporate America, okay, this kind of thing. When you got a bunch of... Um, executives you know in a in a suite somewhere trying talking about all this stuff or over a conference call this kind of this kind of thing makes sense it's it's silly to us in the real world but to them it makes all kinds of sense so i think that it was um it happened very quickly baby yoda exploded in popularity i don't think that disney was expecting it in fact i'd go so far as to say that the reason, the real reason that we don't have Baby Yoda merchandise out there is because they did not want a repeat of Jar Jar Binks on their hands. They did not want a repeat of Porgs on their hands. Now, Porgs weren't quite Jar Jar Binks, but they also didn't, you know, they weren't gremlins either. They didn't, they, it wasn't gizmo. They didn't take the world by storm. Kids weren't clamoring for Porgs uh, on Christmas morning. It was not anywhere near what this Baby Yoda thing is. I think they were hedging their bets. They didn't know how the fans were going to react. This thing could have easily gone the other way for Favreau and Filoni. People could have said, oh, look at this. Oh, now they got a baby Yoda. Now you're going to undercut the legacy of Yoda by making it a child? What what goes on? It could have gone that way. Well, some people, uh, you know, do feel that way. And not enough to really count. (laughs) But those those people are insane. Um (laughs) No, I mean, if if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. You know, I'm rather adverse to cutesy things in Star Wars. I know you I'm, I'm, ad- I'm adverse to cutesy interpretations of Star Wars. And it took me 
I'd say a solid decade and a half before I came to terms with the Ewoks. I kid you not. I kid you not. Um, but I always felt bad for that one Ewok who was running through the forest and there's an explosion and his buddy or wife, whoever it is, goes down and right. not to ever rise again. And that one Ewok. They're making the little groans and they're so sad. Before we get into this Mandalorian thing, just a little bit more. There's, I got more to say about this merchandise. But I do, before I forget, I want to welcome a uh, relatively new listener to Rebel Force Radio. He's 11 years old. I want to say hello to Leland. So Leland, I know you're out there listening. I know you're a huge Star Wars fan. And your, your mom works with my wife. And I know that you also love to, uh, you love your Star Wars Legos. And you love to uh, recreate your favorite scenes with Lego bricks. And you're really into the Mandalorian, so welcome to Rebel Force Radio. But, let's, but, but here, let's talk about what this this onslaught of Yoda merchandise is. Are you ready for this? So I'm going to show this to you. Yeah, I, right, well, I can go. guess it's going to be t-shirts, coffee mugs, maybe a, a puzzle, and oh, wait, um, wait spoil it, everybody. Wait, and an it, empty Jim. box, an empty box with a form in it that we send in. <laughs> no, that would be four, amazing. Four months from now, we'll get. Baby Yoda. That would be amazing. If Give us the empty that. box. Yeah, why not? Give me. You know what would be great? They could sell the little egg that the Mandalorian carried him in. Yes. You could buy the little egg, and then you send in, and then six to the nine form. months later, you, you fill get, the egg. <laughs> right. You get to fill the egg with your plushie. No, here's here's the thing. And TechCrunch actually, I might do that after the show. But that has nothing to do with Star Wars or merchandise. So after all of this anticipation, after you had outlets like CNBC talking about this onslaught of Mandalorian Baby Yoda merch that we were going to get just in time for the holidays, this is what we get. A tote bag. Oh, that's just one. Oh, tote bags, as you said, Jim, earlier. Shirts, mugs, phone cases. Yeah. Right? Those are quick things to print. Exactly. This stuff, this looks, you know what this looks like? This looks like I went to the Office Max and I bought a pack of of printout iron-on paper. Right, right. And made my own stuff. This is pathetic. This this is really pathetic. This is the offering that you're giving. Now, Baby Yoda looks very cute, and this is great concept art. Jon Favreau uh, released this, I believe, on Twitter or Instagram. So it's great artwork, but... It, it it looks it looks like something that you would just like print on demand. This doesn't look like officially licensed stuff. Yeah, you're nailing it right on the head. Uh, uh, everyone's caught off guard by uh, the massive impact Baby Yoda is leaving on uh, the viewing public. So uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty clear to me that they're caught off guard. So uh, if you guys are still listening at Lucasfilm to Rebel Force Radio which you have for like the last 14 years, um, take into account our little idea about the early bird packet. You can get that out on shelves probably by next weekend. And people will snatch that sucker up. Like uh, stores are going to be, it's going to be in the news. It's an empty little egg cradle. 
that you can get and you can make them. Here's the beauty of that, Jim. You can make them various sizes. You know, they have various size plushies. So you have little ones for like little yeah. baby size. But see, when you're getting too ambitious, ones. that's what a company would do if they had the foresight to recognize the solid gold that they were mining. But instead, they're caught off guard and presenting us with print on demand items, like you said, Jason. Um, I think the idea of getting that empty egg out, that ship has already sailed. We have to go with the old school cardboard envelope, (laughs) you know, maybe have a cardboard egg over here. I, well, it's the repro version, but cardboard egg inside the envelope that you kind of, you know, with the tabs, you stick them in the thing. And then you have some stickers, um, a membership card in the baby Yoda fan club. And market the damn thing is Baby Yoda, too. Call it the Baby Yoda Early Bird Egg. All right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a question, and uh, it's a multiple choice. So it's A, B, or C, okay? All right. Okay. So Yoda merchandise was not produced in time for the holiday season because, A, they needed to keep it a secret, B, they really weren't sure what the fan reaction was going to be or see a little bit of both. Okay, I think out of those choices, I would go with A. They weren't sure how the fan reaction was going to be. But I would also add there was probably resistance to do a big marketing push on The Mandalorian itself. Because there was such a big marketing push on Disney Plus, and that was a pretty large sum of money that went into that marketing push. And it still is going into that marketing push. So you're getting that first and foremost. Secondly, I think they don't want to cross the streams with the Rise of Skywalker. I think the marketing push for Rise of Skywalker has already happened. So you're dealing with timing issues again. With the Star Wars releases, we had timing issues with Solo coming out in May following the most divisive Star Wars film release of all time, The Last Jedi. <laughs> now we're. I love that. that and that is officially. Can you always how that, refer to it that way? It will Just always, always be referred to the most, as the most divisive Star Wars film of all time, The Last Jedi. That's how it will always be referred to. None of this TLJ. We could come up with, you know. The most divisive Star Wars film, TMDSWF, TLJ. So if you want to work in the realm of uh, abbreviations, we're fine with that too, and initials. But um, yeah, that's that's now Rebel Force Radio policy. So I, I do think that that does come into play here, is the marketing approach. And uh, we know that all the eggs are in the episode nine basket at this point because that's where all the money is. They must have spent two hundred million on that movie plus. Well, well, most certainly. I, but I keep coming back to this idea that they knew what happened with Jar Jar Binks, and I threw the Porgs in there as an example. I, I think that it, it's, it was nowhere, don't get me wrong, it was nowhere near Jar Jar, but I also don't think the Porgs really took off mm. the way that I think they had hoped they were going to. I don't, I don't think so, because, of course, they were attached 
to the most divisive Star Wars film of all time, The Last Jedi. Of course. T-M-O-S-W-F-O-A-T-T-L-T. And, you know, I don't know about other fans, but I was expecting more from the Porgs. I were I was expecting their existence and being native to the island of Actu, which is known as having some sort of nexus into the force, at least the dark side it does, and it's the home of the first Jedi temple, so you assume the birthplace of the Jedi is Octu. Right. And uh, I thought those birds would have some sort of mystical connection to the force. Like they were almost an embodiment of the force in nature. You know and how so I crows was kind of have that, uh, that sort of uh, mystical nature about them. Owls do in the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. I'm with you. I kind of thought that that's what we were going to see with Porgs. But almost I thought like they the would. The owls are in Harry Potter. I thought they would exhibit some sort of mystical power, like be at Luke's command or do something to protect the Falcon as it flew away and was under some sort of adverse situation or just, you know, just show us some kind of connection to force. And instead, they turned into be um, mostly comic fodder and basically just dumb birds. They really no, they really I were mean, and, very and- earthy. Let's not Dumb forget birds. the genesis of this was it was problem solving because on Skellig Michael, you had all of those puffins. Yes. And yes. they couldn't go in and and, um, you know, remove them all digitally. So they're like, you know, let's just roll with this. Yeah. Let's create the Porg. And mm-hmm. and like the Ewok, dare to be cute. Right. Dare but again, be- I, I was hoping the Porgs would have some purpose, and at the end of the day, they had no purpose. At least the Ewoks had purposes. Yeah, they gave Chewy business. Comic yeah, relief. Yeah, comic yeah, comic relief. And there, there were a few good moments, but uh it's just it's nowhere near this baby Yoda thing. But um and and to not belabor the point too much. Um so it's it's disappointing that um because when I read the CNBC piece and um in fact I our our, our buddy uh Max Sparky his wife uh, sent me a uh, an Instagram DM today that said the, the merchandise is coming out it's coming out it's coming to shopdisney.com and then I started doing some digging and I I see that you know this is what we're getting and um you know like I could have made this. I could still make this. I can make this cheaper than what Shop Disney's going to make it for. Just run off to the office, Max. Get some printout paper. Um, it just it just looks low budget. Looks low rent. Looks hastily made. Um, just beneath um, a, a corporation like 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 Disney. Um, yeah, it'll still make a bajillion dollars for him. This Baby Yoda thing is so just out of control, insane. You have to be. Uh, completely uh lost in space if you don't love baby yoda yeah, uh, yeah or, ma- or made of stone now they this TechCrunch article does go on to talk about how uh this isn't the first time that disney's been caught with their pants down the first frozen movie uh took off well beyond their expectations and there was very little merchandise at first sold out everywhere and then uh, something i'm less familiar with jim you are more familiar with uh galaxy uh guardians of the galaxy 2 and baby groot that was oh, also yeah. a big deal, and that was um, cute. Not as cute as Baby Yoda, though. But th- I guess there was no no Baby Groot merch uh, right away. Oh, is that but, right? They that, missed the boat on that. Yeah, but but that was at the end of that one movie. So 
Yeah. They had the downtime between films, and then Baby Groot was back in the next film. So I know that there are fans, as you mentioned, you saw an ad on Facebook. There are some fans that have taken uh, matters into their own hands. I'll be honest with you. I saw a guy on, uh, I think it was on Facebook, and he's making custom Baby Yodas to fit the three-and-three-inch scale Mandalorian figure and the six-inch Black Series scale Mandalorian fi- figure, uh, figure. Comes with the little uh, cradle egg thing, and the little Yoda comes out, and he's all articulated, and it's going to be 3D printed and mass-produced. And uh, I already sent him my uh, contact information. I said, I want one of these as soon as it comes out. What, you can't wait for 2021 for Hasbro to get their act (laughs) together to release one? Well, that's what they're saying. So the TechCrunch article and uh, Disney, I believe, came out officially that there won't be any, you know, uh, action figures or toys, per se, until Mm. 2020. And, you know, look, it's not 1983 anymore. You know, in 1983, when Return of the Jedi came out in May, and then those plush Ewoks were ready and in the stores by December of that same year, you had six months. Kids are much more fickle. People are much more fickle. The attention span in today's information age is so much different. I'm not going to say it's still not going to be popular, but they really left money on the table with this. Really left money on the table. Big mistake. Over, overthinking, over strategizing. The trying to keep everything a secret. It's uh, was it worth it to keep Baby Yoda secret? I say yes, it was. <laughs> but um, I still would have been agree prepared with you, with, I, you know, yeah. some sort of merch. I guess. I mean, it's hard to keep that stuff secret. It's so hard to keep that stuff secret, especially once it starts moving from Hong Kong across the ocean into the ports of America. Things get leaked. But uh, you know, it is Thanksgiving here on Rebel Force Radio, and. While Baby Yoda is the topic of conversation, uh, we do have a message from Yoda himself. He left us a brief little Thanksgiving message. He seemed a little out of sorts, but uh, we're going to play it anyway. Here's a Thanksgiving message to all RFR listeners from Yoda. Once again, spending Thanksgiving alone, I am all of friends and family that belong to Yoda, gone off they have to enjoy turkey, stuffing, and cranberry sauce. But take part in that shit Yoda will not. All right, okay, all right, enough of that. <laughs> that is not very festive or nice. Thanksgiving's tough on Dagobah, we all get it. But uh, I, I was expecting, oh. <laughs> like I said, he was a little out of what is, sorts. What is that, Dirty Limerick? What's going on here for Thanksgiving? <laughs> I think original Yoda's a little upset that baby Yoda's getting all the attention these days. He wants, <laughs> he wants a piece of that pie. He wants to take it a little bit back. And we're not talking about pumpkin pie. We're <laughs> talking about cold, hard cash for old Yoda, oh, who's getting man. left behind here in this uh, age of baby Yoda. Uh, our old buddy Joel Kramer sent me a text uh, a few days ago, and he he was stumbled across. I don't know, I don't know. Joel he stumbles over a lot of things, but he he's st- mostly girlfriends. But he he stumbled across a uh, <laughs> th- this uh, this theory that there might be a viral video origin to. The Camtono. Uh, Jim, refresh the memories of our of our listeners of what the Camtono is. Because I was well, brand new to it when I saw The Mandalorian. I hadn't heard of it before. Yeah, me too. 
I had to look it up. I was like, Camtono? What, what kind of, what is that? Well, it turns out it's the device that Wilrow Hood is seen running through Cloud City with when Lando Calrissian makes the evacuation notice. Most people have uh, misinterpreted the Camtono for being an ice cream maker, a machine that produces ice cream, delicious, cool, refreshing treats. But no, in the Star Wars universe, it's something vastly different. It's a high-security, portable safe that can be used to hold valuables or even um, spice, which is a, a, a drug in the Star Wars universe. So he, was, he was not an ice cream guy at all. He was like a banker. He could have been. I mean, there could have been any number of things in there. There could have been a rocket firing Boba Fett in that thing, for all we know. <laughs> this is something valuable for sure. But uh, so that device has now appeared in The Mandalorian. Spoiler alert. And, you know, I should say we were trying to respect all of the spoiler alerts for our UK friends, but mainstream media has picked up on The Mandalorian. It's such a big hit. I We can't be regional. We have to be uh, talking about the news here that happens in the Star Wars universe. So while we are talking about things like Baby Yoda and the Camtono, it doesn't mean we're going to be revealing major plot threads and revelations yeah we're not gonna be yeah we're not gonna be discussing the 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 show like an analysis and analyzing the show on rebel force radio that's what the mandalorian after show right and interestingly enough i've heard from many uk listeners who are so upset that they can't see the show they need the rfr mandalorian after show to stay connected to what's going on Wow. So that's, that's a lot of responsibility. That is a lot. That is a lot. So I, uh, all I can say is BitTorrent is your friend, yeah. folks in the UK. Right. Start doing research in how to uh, download those FLAC files and go be in business. <laughs> Did I just hear Jimmy Mack say FLAC file? Hey, man, I'm an underground uh, audio rec- recording uh, collector going back to... Uh, the earliest days of flack files. So that's true. That's I'm no stranger to the BitTorrent scene. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, my Led Zeppelin it did any video stuff. It was all about, yeah, it was all about the audio <coughs> and so pirating albums and yeah. Back to Camtono. Right? Camtono. And, right. Camtono. Um, and and I, I think you can listen to this if you're not familiar with the show because you certainly are familiar with that ice cream maker machine that uh, Wilrow Hood was running around Cloud City with. And uh, so that now has, oh, there's our uh, actual rundown. Wow. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah, a little behind <laughs> the thought, scenes. I, I thought we were on Wilrow Hood there. Uh, <laughs> ah, there he is. There. <laughs> I thought we were on Wilrow. Yeah. Yeah. So we need a producer. My, uh, <laughs> next thing you know, my social security uh, number and a full nude will be popping up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jason has on his computer. Um, <laughs> all right, Camtono. Camtono. Okay, so now this little device that Will Rose running around with actually has a name, and uh, you hear it in a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. We have a little montage of some Camtono shout-outs going on. This is only a down payment. I have a Camtono of Beskar waiting for you upon delivery of the asset. Mando. 
Enjoy your rewards. Buy a Camptono of Spice. Well, I like I like uh, Carl Weathers' Camptono. Camptono. He's kind yeah, of so- filling that Billy D role of going the other way on the pronunciation. Oh, you're going to say Han? I'm going to say yeah. Han. I gave Han a Camptono of Spice. Because <laughs> I want him to get a little higher, just a little higher. <laughs> So, uh, so now it has a name, and um, and uh, Joel Kramer told us that uh, there might be a, a fun little origin to the word. There's a viral video, and it's floated around on uh, YouTube and other places of this little girl who's getting. Uh, I mean, she's a toddler. She has to be two years old and just learning how to talk, and she's getting buckled into her car seat by her dad. And uh, apparently before video rolled, dad said, hey, do you want to go get some ice cream? And the little girl, she responded. And her response sounds very similar to this this safe, this uh, Camptono that we uh, get in The Mandalorian. And so we're thinking, hmm, ice cream, ice cream making machine, Camptono? Could this be the origin of the term? So we have a little clip here of this uh, girl who's, uh, I mean, she's just about as cute as Baby Yoda, let me tell you. And uh, here she is talking uh, with her dad about making an ice cream run and cracking him up and potentially inventing a brand new Star Wars term in the process. Say, I? I. Love? Love. Ice cream. Cantono. <laughs> I, I want, want ice cream. Cantono. <laughs> Cantono. Say Delta. Delta. Eat. Eat. Ice cream. Cantono. <laughs> what the heck are you saying? Say ice. Ice. Cream. Cream. Say I. I want. Want. Ice cream. Cantono. <laughs> Ice. Uh, It's fantastic. She can say ice. Right. She can say cream. But putting them together somehow elicits the response of. It reminds me of the old Family Guy bit, the Cool Whip. Or Will Wheaton. Or or Will Wheaton. Yeah, exactly. Cool Whip. Say cool. Cool. Whip. Whip. Could it be possible? That while looking for inspiration for the the name to eventually give to this device that Wilrow Hood is seen holding, maybe John Favreau was combing YouTube and just put in ice cream just to see. Maybe he was researching like the way ice cream is said in other languages and maybe looking for some sort of word that he can use to twist around and create a term for this uh, Wilrow Hood thing that he was going to include in The Mandalorian, and he somehow stumbled upon this little girl. I guess her name is Delta, from what we could hear her dad or caretaker say. And uh, maybe Favreau himself stumbled across that video, and after he pulled himself up off the floor from laughing so hard, he said, I know what we're going to call that safe. I'm so no. <laughs> 
That would be great. That would be great. Well, maybe we'll get some clarification, but uh, big thanks to uh, Kramer for tipping us off on that. That was uh, that was very, very cool to know the origins. And and Jim, this is not unusual for Star Wars because we know that George Lucas himself used to name certain things in the Star Wars universe, particularly during the prequel era, after uh, some of the baby talk gibberish that his son Jet was spouting at that time. Mm-hmm. Gungan. I believe it was a Jet Lucas toddler term. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know that when Billy Mack was a toddler, somehow Batman became Mott D in his little head. Mott D. Huh. Yeah. I told Billy I brought this up on the show. I can't remember if it was this show or maybe one of the Patreon exclusive shows like RFR Rush Hour. But I did bring this up to Billy and he said, oh, yeah, you should have brought up the Evil Knievel one. I said, what was that? He goes, I used to call him Eno Nino. No. I said, well, that makes a little more sense. I mean, a, a little kid would sit here, Evil Knievel, and say Eno Nino, but Batman in the Mati, that's a, that's a particular sort of insanity that's uh, Billy Mac special right there. Eno Nino. Was that, was that, was that Mork and Mindy? <laughs> yeah, it does sound very orchid Eno, in nature. Uh, I think that's Shout probably where young Billy Billy got it back in the uh, in the late seventies. Well, that was very very cool. Um, something else that's very cool is um, Billy Patri- Mac certainly was not a toddler in the late seventies, sir. Oh, <laughs> try early seventies, okay. my man. All right, um, but. Do want to talk about uh, all the great things that you can get when you support Rebel Force Radio on Patreon. It's something that you want to make sure that you do. Uh, Jim, I know, I mean, you, you're, you're the guy that is actually filling the, uh, the, the bucket full of goodness for Patreon supporters. So uh, what's the latest and greatest going on if you are a supporter of us there on Patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio? Well, well, we have a comp now filled of good stuff for you on Patreon. I, what have we just released this week alone? We've put out uh, a new episode of Clone Wars Declassified. We're up to 64 episodes of Clone Wars Declassified that will be at your fingertips if you become an RFR Clone Warrior, in which you get remastered episodes of our classic Clone Wars roundtable discussions going through each and every episode of the series while you're jamming it and slamming it with binge-watching old Clone Wars episodes to get prepared for its big return in 2020, you could join us on a rewatch. And we're in, uh, we're getting toward the latter end of Season 3 with The Citadel and uh, the uh, debut of the Clone Wars era debut of Tarkin and uh, also Even Peel, Jedi Master Even Peel, which is pretty much the worst name for any Jedi Master outside of uh, I'm a gonna die. That's a that's and, a rough uh, one. That's a rough Yarl Poof. Yarl Poof. But I've grown to kind of a like Yarl Poof is a name, but uh, you know Poof Peel gonna die. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's some real winners there in the Jedi Council. Let me tell you. Yeah, Camp Tono sounds pretty good right now. We're at Citadel, and uh, that is a great season. Uh, three episodes so uh you can watch the episodes and re-listen to our uh analysis of that stuff rfr rush hour dropped this week but this week it's a bonus it's our uh conversation with Eastside dave on the Eastside dave show on compound media Eastside dave gave me permission to uh release some highlights of that 
interview, that conversation where we talked about the Mandalorian, the Rise of Skywalker, and Jason, you got to play the Eastside Dave Star Wars song game and made Rebel Force Radio all-time champions. <laughs> it was very exciting. And, of course, the full show video from last week's uh, weekly RFR where we uh, played highlights from Anthony Daniels' new audio book and uh, did a full review of the social media trailer. You can see that entire episode if you are a member of RFR All Access. And all the audio podcasts, we release audio podcasts of the weekly RFR and the RFR Mandalorian After Show. Uh, that goes out to members of the uh, RFR Patreon community first. And you get all kind of other cool bonuses and uh, early access to live Rebel Force Radio shows and uh, invites to hang out with me at the Galloping Ghost Arcade on Ogden Avenue. Stuff like that. It's, uh, it's a great time we're having over there. Oh, and don't forget RFR Q&A, another exclusive show made available to all members of the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community. It only takes a buck to get your foot in the door. And you can get uh, all 50 episodes, well, not for a dollar, but depending on your tier, uh, if you get RFR All Access, you'll get all 50 episodes of RFR Rush Hour, all 64 episodes of Clone Wars The Classified, including The Filoni Files, our exclusive conversations with Dave Filoni, and RFR Q&A. We're at 27 episodes of that, and those shows are always a lot of fun and totally unpredictable as well, so... Get involved, get on board. Patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio is where you want to go so you never miss a show. Join now and take us with you. Take an RFR Patreon exclusive show with you when you go out shopping for cool Star Wars stuff and gifts on Black Friday. We didn't forget. This year's Black Friday did show a 3% increase in retail sales and a death toll of three. I want to reiterate that. Three people in America died as a result of wanting to get a jump on their holiday shopping. I bought an actual size model, actual size of the Millennium Falcon made out of Legos and white chocolate from Hemmaker Schlemmaker. It can actually do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Let him take that back, huh? Neil, find what you need. <laughs> when Black Friday comes, public credits. The public credits are no good out here. I need something more real. <laughs> yeah. Deal. All right. As we promised at the uh, top of the show, we do want to get to your voicemails and your emails. So let's kick it off with a, a voicemail line. Uh, this is Jeremy. He's a Patreon member uh, from L.A. wants to talk to us. Hey, this is Jeremy, Patreon member from Los Angeles, uh, calling in. I loved the show last week. Wanted to comment on two things you guys talked about. First of all, uh, you said you thought that Disney might reboot uh, Star Wars if Lucas hadn't been involved. And I, I kind of disagree on that because I think that there was too much excitement to have to see Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher again that uh, I don't think they would have passed that up. Um, but I definitely think that there wouldn't have been as much buyer's remorse regarding, like, people saying, oh, we wish you would have done what Lucas said. Uh, anyway, the second thing I wanted to say is you guys are totally spot on about when you talked about how uh, with the sequel trilogy, we've never had that feeling like we had with Empire where three years had gone by and talking about Orbantel and all this off 
screen stuff. To me, that's the biggest problem with The Last Jedi that no one really talks about is that we don't have, you know, all these adventures to imagine. Star Wars, so much of Star Wars happens in the margins. And, like, imagine these adventures that Han, Luke, and Leia were on off screen that we were playing with our toys and in our imagination. And we haven't had that at all with the new trilogy because... We meet everyone for the first time, uh, raise a smuggler, uh, uh, not a smuggler, but a scavenger on a planet, and, uh, you know, the next movie takes place a couple hours later, and so there's been no time for any adventures with Ray or Finn. Uh, the only person who's had any adventures is Poe, so we haven't really had that time to really get to feel these characters going on adventures, and that, to me, has really, I feel like, hurt these characters, so hopefully we get some of that going forward with Rise of Skywalker. Uh, love listening to you guys, and uh, talk to you later. All right. Uh, so a few things to un- unpack there. Um, the reboot. Uh, Jim, we, we had speculated at one point that had George not been involved, that Disney might have potentially uh, rebooted Star Wars, remade mm-hmm. the classic films in a sense, and started over from scratch. Um, our, Jeremy says, no, he doesn't think so, because the anticipation, the excitement about seeing the original actors back in those roles was too great. Right. But if George was totally hands off, who would want to go in there and give it a shot? I mean, that's, uh, that's you know, they had to really convince J.J. Abrams to jump on board with it. Right. Um, I, I think without any sort of setup from George Lucas himself, it would have been really hard for someone to even consider stepping in. I think they would have had easier luck if George just said, I'm done with Star Wars, you do whatever you want. I think they might have said, let's take uh, new characters and start a brand new adventure, fresh. I think that would have been a safer bet for them and would have given them a lot more freedom and taken away a lot of the pressure. Yeah. Of course, the big money is in those core characters returning to continue the story but right. uh you and, know i i think history has proven that y- you can accept new characters coming into a star wars film with the prequels sure you had guys you know you had the ten poles like obi-wan and yoda there but you know obi-wan's a very different character in the prequels and uh yoda shows up for a cameo so Basically, what you're looking at with the prequels is uh, a whole new crew. But everyone was curious to hear that story that George was sitting on for all those years. So we had that that intrigue and that connection and that desire to fill the gaps that were left wide open because we'd only seen episodes four, five, and six. Give us one, two, and three. We needed that closure. So we were ready to go on that ride. In this case, with these new characters and a new situation, I think Disney would have relished the opportunity to start afresh. And when I say reboot, I don't mean remake. Okay? I don't mean do episodes four, five, and six again. Or even one, two, and three. I mean just new Star Wars. Kind of like the next generation, the way they did it. Where it was, you know, 80 years in the future or something. Yeah, I think that um, I, I would stop short at the idea that they would have essentially remade uh, Star Wars in the sense of, you know, they wouldn't have gone back and they wouldn't have recast the original characters, maybe put a different spin on them. 
But I, I agree with you. I think that had George not been – had George not pulled those treatments out of his back pocket in the 11th hour in the negotiation with Disney, had he not already started to engage the original actors, as we know that he did, prior to the sale, talking to them about uh, returning into the, to the roles, that Disney probably would have made the safer bet and not done a direct continuation uh, I could have seen a series of films that would have eventually led new characters to discover the core characters one at a time and then have sort of the, you know, the Avengers model where you have the ultimate team up. You've got the best of new, the best of the old. Um, there's, 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 there's a lot of different ways I think they might have, have, have done it. But the fact is that the ball was already on the tee set by George with seven, eight, and nine involving the core main uh, characters from the originals, yeah. So, and I mean, Disney had to pay considerably more for that, right? I mean, considerably more. Yeah, these are in the pipeline now. What do you think about that? Yeah. Let's negotiate. <laughs> That's George Lucas. I mean, that yeah. is his approach. He's just like, yeah, look what I got. Well, it's always been there. <laughs> Wait a second, where did this come from? It's always been there. Don't worry about it. Yeah, let's talk. You know, yeah, and he always talks about things like they have a firm history too, like when he first sat down Dave Filoni to talk about the Clone Wars. Okay, um, Anakin has a Padawan. George Anakin doesn't have a Padawan. Well, Anakin has a Padawan. Yeah, yeah, he does. It's true sure too. Always did. Always girl. did. Oh, yeah, you're not teenage girl. girl. What do you think about that? Huh? Teenager. Take that, Filoni. Yeah, run with that. And of course, Dave did. Shove that up your, ma- <laughs> of course, shove that up your Mara Jade. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, the, the the arrival of Ahsoka Tano had nothing to do with George's distaste of Mara Jade. I don't no, think no, so. I know, no, 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 no. I know that. I know that. But, yeah, but they gave you Mara Jade. I got Ahsoka Tano for you. <laughs> Suck on that. Wait, wait. No, that came out wrong. <laughs> it came out way wrong. Came All right, the other wait, wait. question that he had was about, uh, what was it? Um, oh, oh, about how the original trilogy, because there was so much time in between movies, um, and even in the prequels, actually, there was, there was actually far more time. There was 10 years between episodes one and two. Um, it, it, it left us to fill in those gaps with our action figures, with our role play on the, the, the playground at recess, all these types of things. But the sequel trilogy is very, very tight. You meet the characters mm-hmm. at the outset. They don't really have much of a backstory. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. At least one that's of any consequence. And then you go and, and, and the films are you know really, really right on top of each other. So you don't have the opportunity to say, oh, let me take, take my action figures and play out what uh, Ray and Finn were doing between episodes one and two. Well, mm. really nothing. We, it, all those answers have been uh, given to us. Now, yeah, there's opportunity yeah. between eight and nine to maybe play around in that area. And I would not be a bit surprised, Jim. This is the first time I've actually... Uh, thrown this prediction out there i would not be a bit surprised if we don't see maybe an animated series that illuminates the time between episodes eight and nine it's possible 
Uh, it's possible. So I think save there's your action um, figures, Jeremy. I think Disney Animation might fill in those gaps for us. But what would the demand be for something like that? Especially when you're talking about ending the Skywalker saga. I think you need to let it sit on ice for a little while and start exploring different areas of the Star Wars universe, much like the Mandalorian is doing right now. And uh, let the Skywalker saga cool down for a while. If you want to fill in those blanks, you know, jump on it five or ten years from now. But uh, right now... Uh, let some nostalgic factor develop for the sequel trilogy over time and then start approaching those uh, dead spaces in the uh, timeline appropriately. I think right now they need to face forward and look at what Disney Plus is doing and start seeing opportunities for content being developed there to lead the entire franchise in different directions, cinematically, comic books, novels, you name it. Yeah, develop a little downtime with the sequel yeah. Yeah, trilogy, I, I which is very different from the prequels. I mean, the prequel trilogy, you know, that era went on much longer than the original trilogy era went on. Because when you look at it, the original trilogy era started in 1977 and had a solid run even a few years beyond Return of the Jedi. It ran into the mid-80s. 77 85, to 86 is how I would really define. Or whenever that last, era. the Ewok Caravan of Courage film, when that right. came out, that was really the was very last legitimate release of the original trilogy era before it went totally on ice by 1987 and stayed there Primarily until Timothy Zahn's release of Heir to the Empire in 91. So, I mean, four years of zero, essentially, zero Star Wars content. Yes, there was the West End games, and uh, Tops may have been playing around in the sandbox a little bit, limited, and on a limited basis. But you saw nothing for a four- or five-year period, and that was all very much preconceived to put the whole franchise on ice for a little while. I don't know if George Lucas had the foresight to recognize the nostalgic factor that would eventually kick in, which was in full force by the mid-90s. But uh, there was a period of time where nobody thought about Star Wars. I mean, not at all. Not at all. And uh, there is no time in any point in the history of the franchise that you can compare to those years in the late eighties where there was no star Wars. I mean, it was D O a, it was gone. There was nothing. Could you imagine, you know, nowadays going through a full year of not a single star Wars release, not a piece of merchandise, not a trading card, not a comic book, not a novel, not a movie, not an animated show. No, nothing. Well, just ask baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. It's not going to get it's any very special. Very special. It's not going to get any merchandise for a long time. Well, no, I mean, there, there's merch out there right now, but you're right, Jason. It looks very uh, knockoff, knockoff stuff. Yeah. So, uh, well, those were indeed dark times. That's, those were the no doubt darkest about it. of dark times. But uh, right now, I think what we're dealing with is not having that area where the the core characters could develop any sort of history understood history off-screen history you know that just like like i pointed out to you jason when we were watching the uh 
social media trailer and 3PO says that line, looking at my friends for the last time and you noted, oh, Ray, uh, he's known, she's known 3PO for like uh, five minutes. But again, I'm filling in the blanks there that we can do and add some history to these characters. So when we finally see them on screen in episode nine, we know that they've been through a little bit. The, the crawl will definitely fill in some of those blanks immediately. And then, like I said, I hope there's a few lines of dialogue that also fill in those blanks, like the Battle of Tanab line. You know, I, I'd love yeah. to hear some little things making reference. You're just a little throwaway line like that, Battle of Tanab. You you drop that into episode nine, that's an eight-issue comic series from Marvel Comics right there, telling the story about whatever it was. Yeah, don't and, worry, I'm sure episode nine will throw in an actual reference to Battle of Tanab. No, 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 that's not what I mean. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, don't worry, because it's the most self-aware Star Wars you can find. We've got a clip coming up. This is the clip that was released uh, from The Rise of Skywalker, and I've got an observation about it, and uh, we'll talk about it. But for, before we do, speaking of Rise of Skywalker, do want to uh, remind you about Skywalker Rises in Ohio. That's the big Rebel Force Radio live show, December 20th. Woo! Playhouse Square, downtown Cleveland. You don't want to miss it. 7.30 p.m. Tickets still available, um, but very, very limited. We've got a small little venue, very intimate venue there. We're looking forward to um, letting you hear it first. We hope that we're going to be broadcasting live, but you know how the internets are. There's no guarantee. So the only way to guarantee you're going to be the first to hear our reaction of The Rise of Skywalker is to be there in Kennedy's Cabaret, Playhouse Square, December 20th, 7.30 p.m. And as the calendar flips over to the month of December, get those vacation requests in if you can. Uh, Make sure that you make plans to be here in Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, downtown for this event. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time. We've got uh, a little premium thank you for everybody. So we've got some uh, little gift of uh, it's actually going to be a collectible limited edition patch of this logo, this Star Wars Nine logo that you see that was uh, designed by Kevin Lyle, great Star Wars artist. But he put this together, this little mashup. Kevin's great at these mashups. This is the Ohio State Buckeyes logo mashed up with Star Wars, so that you can always remember that you were there for Skywalker Rises in Ohio. Um, and uh, this is—it's only going to be available at this event. We're not. That's it. You can't get it anywhere else. So if you're a patch collector, you want to make sure that you hit somebody up that's coming to Skywalker Rises in Ohio. Jim, we're going to have a great time. Billy Mac's going to be there. Puppet Lando's going to be there. Come hang with us. There'll be many surprises, trust me. And uh, the people who will most be surprised is me and Swank. So it'll be unpredictable. <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. We did solo in Ohio in the very same venue. And it was amazing. It's such a great place. You guys are going to love it. And we'll hang out for a while after the show is over. And we want to say hi to each and every person who's there. So please uh, come hang out with us. Skywalker Rises in Ohio. Where else would it rise? The ultimate movie spectacular. The all-time family favorite is back on CBS. Star Wars Tonight. Join Patrick Duffy and Linda Gray, plus other celebrity hosts from New York, Toronto, Detroit, and Hawaii. It's a feast of festivities. It's the CBS All-American Thanksgiving Day Parade, Thursday at 9 a.m.
<laughs> was that? Was, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Was that Popeye's Paul Dooley that was being promoted as being in the parade? Paul Dooley? Paul Dooley. From Popeye? I, he played Wempy in uh, the Popeye movie. That was Paul Dooley. Oh, that was Paul Dooley. Now, I know Paul Dooley as his role in the Oscar award-winning film Breaking Away from 1979. Where are my damn french fries? (laughs) I know him from I Would Gladly Pay You Tuesday for a Hamburger Today. That's the same guy. I Would Gladly Pay You Tuesday for a Hamburger Today. Me and Big Steve, we're going to put together a two-man show. We're going to do the whole Popeye movie, just the two of us. We're going to take that to Broadway. <laughs> now, now I would go to the Kennedy's Cabaret to see that. Can you imagine tell- that? <laughs> Book it. Let's do this. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right. Well, the big news we got to lead off with this is that there was a full scene released... From The Rise of Skywalker. Jim, this is unprecedented. I don't remember now. I remember the days of the prequels when mm-hmm. there was a music video that was released with each one of those films. All right. Episode one, you had Duel of the Fates. Episode two, you had Across the Stars. Yeah. The love theme. And in episode three, you had Battle of Heroes. And they all gave us a, a huge glimpse, probably our biggest glimpse next to the trailers, maybe even bigger than the trailers, of actual footage from the film. Now, fast forward 20 years later, we got Good Morning America, and they're premiering an actual... Uh, was it was this on Good Morning America that they premiered yes. the clip? Yeah, Th- so that the, was the, the first place I saw it. Uh, J.J. showed up there on Monday of this week. And then um, I think that very night, Daisy Ridley was on... The Tonight Show, and they also showed this ah. clip. Yeah. All right, so here it is. This is the scene. We spotted the fugitives. <laughs> well, that's forever known as the they fly now scene. And of they course, fly. immediately, immediately, Star Wars fans all over. Uh, dude, my phone started buzzing like crazy. <laughs> I picked it up and it was a bunch of, you know, eye roll emojis and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. It really it was not greeted with a lot of at least I wonder why that it, is. It wasn't greeted with a lot of love because. What what I'll tell you what what people were saying to me, and I won't mention any names, was that they were like, really, has has have the people that are making these new Star Wars movies ever watched the Clone Wars? Have they ever watched Rebels? Have they ever seen anything outside of these movies? There have been characters in Star Wars with jetpacks flying since Boba Fett and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but this is first new. order, first order troopers, first order troopers. Well, Finn, Finn doesn't know about flying troopers. Okay, he was a janitor on a star destroyer. 
three PO doesn't know about flying troopers because he's an idiot. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I mean, 3PO was shocked by everything, you know? I mean, it's just like, oh, space travel. Ah, ah. It's like they should have left him on the moisture farm, on the large. They, they should have left him there even after the stormtroopers burned the place down. I mean, what really? was really the purpose? What was really the purpose for Luke to travel along with 3PO? He really only delivered the pads. I mean, is there any purpose for three PO other than to translate for R two? He says, and now in the sequel trilogy, everyone speaks fluent beeps and boops. Remember, Luke ran into R two on the Falcon in the most divisive Star Wars film of all time, The Last Jedi, and Luke understood every word R two was saying. In the original trilogy, Luke required the translation of a translator. You see it at one point when he's flying the X-Wing. There's right, a readout. Right. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. some boops at R2's yeah, bacon. Yeah. We're going in, to in Empire and Jedi. You see it in Jedi, too. Yes. Okay. And yes. And um, you know, back then they had continuity between the films. You would, <laughs> you would actually. Was, anyway. Enough. Okay. <laughs> now they all speak. Fluent droid. And the first time that ever really appeared in Star Wars was in season one of the Clone Wars when Anakin could understand the beeps and boops of R2-D2. And I think we asked people like Filoni or Gilroy or somebody like, what, why, how? And it's like, it's a, you know, 30-minute kid show. We got to keep it rolling. Thanks, you guys. It's a cartoon, okay? Get off my ass. Relax, nerds. <laughs> but you know, we're like, wow, right. this is this is setting kind of a different precedent for some. But they're they're admitting to us that you know it's the yeah. cartoon medium, and they just want to keep the story going because they have limited right. time. And it's and it's fine. It was fine in that context. It was fine. However, then we run into Ray, uneducated, isolated Ray, and she speaks fluent beeps and boops. The ones and zeros all make sense to her. This is binary language. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, I'm, it's a secret who I am, too. Classified, you know. <laughs> Come on, she understands me. And uh, so that's just now become the reality of the Star Wars universe. That's yeah. where the story taking is going, where they don't want to waste any time having, he says he's on a very important mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone understands, you know, from Finn to Ray to Poe to Luke. But that's they all... an interesting point, though, Jim, because that the requirement of 3PO to be there to translate, to translate. Gave, uh, gave a cadence and a pacing to the movie. Purpose. Right. And gave 3PO <laughs> purpose. That's right. When we did the very first of the Smugglers uh, live audio shows at Star mm-hmm. Wars Celebration, that was something that I noted was lacking from one of our original scripts. We used Tom Kane as the voice of 3PO. That was my casting call. I knew Tom did a really great 3PO and suggested he play the role in the second Smugglers that we did. It was called Smugglers Bounty. Bounty. Smugglers Bounty. The first one was Smuggler's Gambit. The second was Smuggler's Bounty. And the third was Smuggler's Revenge. Revenge. In Smuggler's Bounty, 
that was that was the really big one we did. And um, that had Tom as 3PO. And he was talking into a Coke can on stage um, when he did it. He says, but I mean, that was something I noticed early in the script. I'm like, oh, we don't have Tom translating for R2. And we had R2. And so I thought that was like essential to the character of 3PO. It was nothing I ever really thought about until that moment mm-hmm. when it was missing. Cause, yeah, because you hear the thing that's missing. Yes. And it really helps establish the bond between the two characters, 3PO and R2. And something I mentioned to Anthony Daniels the first time I sat down with him and interviewed him. I showed appreciation for the acting he did being encased in the golden 3PO suit. But I also said you should take a little bit more of the accolades for performing R2 because in many ways Anthony – and the connection he had, 3PO and R2 had, brought a lot of life to R2. Just because you had a human voice there saying, he said, if you do this, then he'll do that. And then it's like, okay. <laughs> then where'd he go? Oh, he's he's always like this. He's always in trouble. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just adds so much personality to R2. And that was lacking, um, you know, in the prequels, it kind of devolved into just bickering between the two. Oh, shut up. Oh, you shut. But I mean, that still kind of adds a lot of personality that, to our two. But it was that was just one dimension of their relationship was the bickering. And it was an early development between the two of them. Yeah. It was like I, the, the whole foundation of their friendship was developed in that back and forth bickering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always thought that the that the chemistry was just a, a a hair off in the in the prequels, but in the telling of the story, that's obviously the origin of their relationship. So it makes sense that it would have evolved into into something else. The thing that bothers me a little bit about this scene, and this is the and this is just a, a general criticism I have of the sequel trilogy is that there are moments where uh, to use the, 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 the phrase it's self-aware. There's moments when you feel that it knows that it's a star Wars movie when it references itself. Uh, it's self reverential in some ways, but, but there was, but there was no great payoff. Like I liked the idea that Ray had heard that Luke, you know, that, that she knew of Han Solo. She heard, you know, that he was he was uh, Han Solo of the Rebellion. Finn knew of him as a, as a smuggler. Um, and, and, and that was OK. But then when it got to the point where. Um, it just it was almost like it played on itself a little bit too much. And then we got this, uh, you know, they, they fly now. They fly now. Oh, these stormtroopers. They fly now. It's just, it's a little, um, it just seems out of sync for the style of humor that you see in a Star Wars movie or what you're accustomed to in a Star Wars movie. And I I look, as far as the gold standard of that, I look to the original trilogy. Um, The prequel trilogy had its own issues in terms of of humor. But um, this scene kind of fell flat for me. It looks looks very uh, exciting. There's no question about it. It looks uh, very well done, very well manufactured. The effects look great. Um, but it just didn't, I don't know, it, it just didn't, it didn't grab me. It just felt, 
uh, empty calories for me. Empty right calories. Now. Well, I mean, you have no context in which to place it in. JJ did say on uh, Good Morning America that this is a very early scene in the movie. I wouldn't be surprised if we come into this sequence already in progress. Like, this is one of the earliest things we see in the movie right after the crawl. Uh, you know, it could be uh, General Leia has dispatched Poe, Ray, Finn, and C-3PO, and Chewbacca to s- find Wedge Antilles on the planet Pasana and bring him back to the Resistance. You know, something along those lines. That would be in the crawl. And then we catch up with the uh, heroes in action. And this sequence that we see here that was just released this week on uh, Pisana, I mean, that's like one of the very first things we'll see in the film. It'll happen in the first five minutes, you know. They have uh, broken through some sort of imperial security checkpoint or something, and all hell is breaking loose. And we catch up with them as that's happening. Well, let's catch I mean, up with J.J. Abrams. Star Wars. He was on Good Morning America, and he was talking about... Wait a uh, second now, because I have a just... I'm sorry, I don't mean to stop you, but I have a couple other things here to say about the uh, Finn thing, because okay. people were freaking out, you know. I saw people freaking out when it came out, and it wasn't so much eye rolls um, as it was uh, how come the characters don't know mm-hmm. that there are flying First Order troopers when that's already been established in Star Wars comic books. We've been led to believe the much heralded story group is in charge of continuity across all platforms. So if they were doing their job, this is, again, I'm not saying this. This is some of the complaints I've seen online. If they were doing their job, then the characters would be aware of flying troopers, especially Poe Dameron. Because the Flying Troopers appear in Poe Dameron number one, a comic book which is a prequel to The Force Awakens, even, episode seven. And here we are in episode nine. Um, If you listen to the footage, oh, I just put some photos in our our folder. Um, There's a new pics folder there where you'll see some screenshots of these comic books I'm talking about. Oh, boy. And again, this is probably something that should have happened pre-show. I don't probably. know if you have the uh, abilities <laughs> to put this stuff on screen, but I uh, put in a, a few screenshots that uh, could we'll, be uh, beneficial we'll, to our we'll, conversation. We'll, we'll do our best here. <laughs> See, now we're video, and so these are things I think about, and then I forget about them. Uh-huh. And then I think about them again when it's too late, when we're actually right. doing the show so, itself. So what do you want me to put up here? Well, Mind I just uh, stormtroopers. Yeah, go ahead. Um, put up a uh, number one. I believe this is actually from Star Wars issue number twenty-one, where we have an example of uh, flying stormtroopers, and uh, also then I have a screen grab of some panels from the Poe Dameron comic, Poe Dameron number one. Now I will say this. For all the people who are saying, how come Poe Dameron is surprised by flying stormtroopers in this clip? Um, I will argue that he's actually surprised. Uh, Finn and 3PO seem surprised, but Poe seems to confirm what they are shocked by. Oh, they fly now! They fly now? They fly now! 
And for Finn not to know that there were flying stormtroopers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you giving Poe? Seriously, are you giving Poe a pass? I am giving Poe a pass. That's all. But you know, it's the it's. Come on, man. You can't honestly be saying this. They go. He fly. They fly now. They fly now. And then Poe says, "They fly now." He's like, "It's the payoff to the joke." Confirming. What? What's the joke? Is there a yes, joke? Yes, of course there's a joke. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole formula. This, but um, bump, but um, bump, but um, bump. Come on, <laughs> this is like Judd Apatow. There is a rhythm here. Is what this there is. is. A, Come on, <laughs> you, you are. This is this is a sad. This is a sad attempt to. Oh, no, it's not. To, to apologize no, not. for this. No, it really is. Look, there's all right. Flying troopers. You have. Uh, we see on the screen right now. You have clips. Oh, all right, that one is from Star Wars number 21, which um, you see those are just normal stormtroopers with jetpacks. We also see stormtroopers with jetpacks on the Star Tours ride when Darth Vader makes his appearance at the very beginning. Aren't there, uh, there are stormtroopers flying around there, and they actually chase down the Star Tours ship. Now, the First Order troopers, is uh, that's number two, and that's from the Poe Dameron comic. So Poe would absolutely be aware of flying stormtroopers. And in that clip, while the cadence might be uh, kind of jokey to you, I don't hear Poe going, oh, my God, they're, they're flying. They fly now. You know, he's saying they fly now. He's like, yeah, yeah, losers, they fly now. <laughs> so there you see them in the Poe Dameron comic. But I'm not making excuses for Poe Dameron. That's just how I interpret no, the scene. I, 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 I think a lot of people I think a lot of people are trying to jump on stuff just for the sake of jumping all over. No. I think it looked kind of cool look, with them watching the, the fact of the matter the is that jetpacks in Star Wars and the Star Wars universe are, are, are well long established. And don't give me the technicality of, well, they've never seen a stormtrooper, uh, you know, do it. That's like saying, you know, like, ooh, they have blasters now? They have blasters! Masters now. Oh, <laughs> come on. Well, it seems like, you know, if if one group Rebels of had uh, warriors has it. Rebels had flying stormtroopers. They all should have it. They the Battlefront games it. had flying stormtroopers, for God's sake. Rebels didn't have flying stormtroopers. They had flying Imperial commandos, which were using Mandalorian technology. So I you're, you're, keep you're the jetpacks of the Mandalorians. Now you're just making a fool of yourself. What? That's that's the rudest thing no, in the world no, you can you, say. You, you, How am I making you, you a fool of myself? Are. You just you're, are. you're just looking for stuff to complain no, about. No, you're just looking for stuff to complain no, about. No, I'm that's saying right. these people should, that's should right. put you're, a little time in and do their homework. Because if I know that jetpack technology and single rider flying is 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 a is a given in the Star Wars universe, these people shouldn't be looking at it like they just you know discovered the first you know. Man on the moon, for God's sake. Come on. This is, that is laziness. They have not that encountered. That is laziness. They have not encountered First Order Troopers with jetpacks. 3PO, Finn. Oh, but they've heard of the legend and, of Luke uh, Skywalker. Chewie. I thought he was just a myth. But somehow they've never heard of jetpack well, see, now, 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 now you're twisting this into something entirely different. Mm-mm. And uh, I take great offense to you calling me a fool. No. 
when I'm just I didn't say you were a fool. My interpretation you were a fool and bitchy people on the internet who are just looking for to complain about. This is a legit complaint. Put yourself in that file. Why don't you put yourself in that file? The whiner file. No, this is a legit complaint. A legit complaint. It's a tiny little homework. It's a tiny little sequence. They ran everything else by Pablo Hidalgo. They didn't run this scene by Pablo. <laughs> I mean, the one time we freaking need the guy, and where is he? Because he blocked him on Twitter. <laughs> he's not taking their. He, he blocked him on his iPhone. He, he he's blocked everyone. All right, I the guy has dug a hole, and he's I don't think they did themselves right any favors. I think it's a lame scene. And I think it's a it's a lame joke because it's lame to think that these characters in the furthest. Uh, point in the Star Wars timeline have no idea that there's jetpack technology and they're just shocked that a stormtrooper or a first order trooper could could put it on? Well, I just think the fact that they're using that technology is taking a couple of these yahoos by surprise. They've got garbage disposals? They've got garbage (laughs) disposals? They've got garbage disposals. (laughs) I can't believe that they've got garbage disposals. In the barracks of the First Order. All right. I'd be, you know, thinking it would be very consistent if they said, they got wheels <laughs> on a ground vehicle? What are they doing? Don't they know this is Star Wars? Oh, Ground vehicles that, float. Yeah. Everyone knows God. that. But to get all bent out of shape about this little exchange between the characters as they're entering into an action sequence, that's foolish. That's what foolish yeah. is. I mean, I you, you know, know, just wow, you know, you, you can't even extend yourself for a second to let. Dude, one of the most, of one of the most famous you. characters in all of the Star Wars universe, to the extent that they're essentially basing an entire TV show around him or around his ilk, flew around on a GD jetpack. Don't look gobsmacked Not- when. <laughs> armor-clad characters in a Star Wars movie start flying around. Please. Boba Fett. <laughs> All right, so JJ on Good Morning America. We've got we've got uh we've got some audio from JJ's appearance. Was he on with the whole cast or was it just JJ? No, it was just JJ. And he was talking so much and so fast that nobody else could get a word in edgewise anyway, so they only booked him. He did reveal that they just wrapped the uh, whole post-production process, and the film is actually in the can. Oh, really? Can you believe it? That's that's good news. Here we go. Now it's all coming to an end. Isn't that crazy? It is a little crazy. (laughs) Is the movie done? Uh, Just. (laughs) Yesterday. Yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And he's still here this morning. Uh, yes, it's done. It's done. So uh, now people have to see it. And you were really, I mean, reshooting right up, right up through October? Well, don't say it like that. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, this happened last time as well. We do, you know, you see th- something, you think, oh, you know what? That could be a little clearer. That could be a little bit better. And, and if you have the ability to fix the piece, you take advantage of that. Yeah, take advantage of the ability to fix the piece. But this is probably the most labored that we've heard in terms of the development of the story. You know, episode seven, 
yes, there were some setbacks. You had George and, and, and Michael Arndt and that whole episode. But once they got the Kasdan and the JJ train going, it was smooth sailing. And don't even begin to talk about uh, uh, Ryan Johnson. Apparently, that guy is a dream to work with. I mean, there's never been a movie to run so smoothly as Ryan Johnson in episode eight. Phenom- I mean, record time. He finished early. They could have released the movie six months in advance. But now we've got episode nine, and well, we'll talk about it in just a few minutes. But uh, you got you had Kelly, Colin Trevorrow. He took a stab at it. You brought JJ and his whatever that other guy's name is that came in with JJ. Then they had to sit and they had to kiss the ring of George Lucas to make sure that they were really on track with this thing. Because please, George, help us. Please don't let us screw up like we did last time. Please, George, please. Okay. Please give us someone to blame if it all goes <laughs> south on us. We never should have George. To please, George. that's right. Yeah. Well, the movie's done. Well, that was George's idea. That's what we'll be hearing a lot of. That was George. Oh, that actually came from George. Yeah, that came from George. All the things you did like about the movie. That was George. <laughs> and then you know, uh, a few weeks after that, we'll get another white slavers interview <laughs> on sixty minutes. Where he really unleashes. Can you imagine? What gates totally come <laughs> Can open. Can you imagine? Oh. Yeah, it was my idea, but they screwed it up. <laughs> it was brilliant. All right, what else did JJ Easiest say with George Stephanopoulos? All right. All right. So he's there with your, your favorite, George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. And, Love um, that guy. They, they talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the well-known fact that Carrie Fisher is going to be appearing in this film despite the fact that she has passed away a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of discussion about this, but just hearing it from J.J. kind of puts a perspective on it. And uh, it's a little revealing to me. So uh, here's J.J. talking about what it was like to be using Carrie Fisher footage in the uh, Rise of Skywalker and treating her like just another member of the story and cast. It was impossible for us to figure out how to tell the, the end of the Skywalker saga without Leia. She's such an, an important character. And Carrie, whom I, I loved, uh, you know, we needed to have her in the movie somehow. And we realized that there were probably five or six scenes that we'd never used from uh, The Force Awakens. And we went back and looked at the footage and realized we could tell the story. We could create scenes with her. But we did it in a really interesting way where we, we used her footage and then everything we did in the scene was built around, written around, lit around what we had of her. Um, and there are some scenes with her that are, I think, really moving, and I, I, it's still impossible for me to believe she's not here. We've been working with her in the editing room now for almost a year, um, and she's vital, and she's there, and she's funny in spirit. She's Leia in this movie. It's, it's sort of surreal. So hmm. maybe some providence uh, in terms of what they were able to capture during the making of Episode Seven. Some stuff that laid on the uh, on the cutting room floor that they didn't realize was going to become quite relevant, quite useful to them in the future. So more than just mm-hmm. deleted scenes. Well, there's a, a, a several sequences where Leia is dealing with the legitimate New Republic government on on uh, Prime. Hosnian Prime. On uh, Hosnian Prime. I can't believe I pulled that out. Just yeah, I'm surprised yeah. too. It just doesn't, you know. Roll off the tongue like Alderaan does. <laughs> but Hosnian Prime. Right. Hosnian, I mean, that sounds Star Trek. It, it really does. Hosnian yeah, yeah, Prime. Yeah. You, you put the Is it, isn't that the Klingon there, moon that, that blew up in Star Trek Six? Hosnian Prime? 
we will feast on the first order's blood. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to channel Worf and bring him into the Star Wars sequel trilogy, but I just did. I just did that. Um, so there's a lot of sequences with Leia doing negotiations or politicking or whatever she does mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with certain senatorial types on the planet Hosnian Prime or she's communicating with them from the uh, resistance space. There are several sequences that built up this substory within The Force Awakens. And so they're mining that. I find it interesting there's nothing from episode eight being used. No mention of any nice. footage of Carrie from Ep 8. And you figure that would be the gold mine because obviously closer in age to what she would be in uh, episode 9. And um, But apparently that the, production the ran so smoothly, so efficiently, so effectively, yeah. so perfectly. Yeah. There was nothing on the cutting room floor. Nothing was wasted. Every nothing frame wasted. that was shot for... The most divisive Star Wars film of all time, The Last Jedi, was used in the final film. As a matter of fact, Ryan Johnson only turned in his rough draft, and it was given the green light right away. They looked around. They're like, seriously, this is the first cut? They're like, this is what you got? So does, it, does anyone else have anything better than this? I okay, do. We're we're I have something to say. It's, shut Hamill up. It's Jake Skywalker. Oh, it's shut Jake. Hamill up. Keep that guy quiet. And tell him to read his line. But it's not Luke. Hamill. <laughs> his career was dead on arrival when he showed up for the episode. No, I shouldn't say that. Mark had a great career. As a voice actor, I'm so happy to see at least Mark is reaping the rewards of a revitalized on-camera career in yeah, the wake of... The sequel trilogy, and I hope we see some more of him in some cool roles soon. He was on that show Nightfall, yeah, which was, I think, you know, um, I, I only saw clips of it. I'm not a regular watcher. Well, of you Nightfall. know, here's a, here's a thought I had. You know, with JJ, he just struck that big deal with uh, Warner Brothers, and they're mm -hmm. talking about JJ becoming a big figure in the DCU. Yeah, who, you know, it would. J.J. and his relationship with Mark Hamill. I would still love to see Mark Hamill get a, a stab at a live-action Joker. Hmm. You just never know. But I, I Old man Joker. <laughs> Old man Joker. Well, there's talk about a Batman Beyond live-action film, which would bring Michael Keaton back in as old uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, I have heard that. And uh, so you never know. Could there be an old man Joker? Now Jack is retired. But could it be a, a Mark Hamill? I don't know. Could be a cool idea. Anyway, we digress. We have not seen the Joker for a long time. People who knew him best, like the Riddler, said he went to find the first criminal's hideout. <laughs> Secret hideout. And he's not been seen from since. It's and true. Then, All of it. <laughs> and then Michael Keaton goes to search him out. Yeah. And he's at this old, you know hide out from like like King Tut's lair from the 66 Batman series. Victor and, Buono. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Nefertiti. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he's there and he's like... Very you know, masculine man, Victor Buono. He's like, Joker, we need your criminal mastermind intellect to help us defeat this threat to the galaxy. 
I mean, all humanity is at stake here, Joker, but we need you because you can only unlock, only you can unlock the secret. And Joker says, I came here to die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Well, we got Harley Quinn back there. Um, When she bring it back? It's time for the criminal masterminds to end. <laughs> it's time for the DC universe to end. That's as far as I go. That's with it. My, wow, man. My cranky old uh, Last Jedi Luke and joke, old man Joker mashup. Like you can send that. complaint letters to Jason Swank, yeah. Canton, Ohio. <laughs> Rebel, show at rebelforceradio.com. No, we own it. We're just having a little fun here, folks. It's Thanksgiving. I'm just it's having the fun. holiday. That's I'm what just this is all fun. about. This is about fun. Uh, just, so please stop the. Uh, don't take it so seriously. Anyway, uh, what else did JJ say when he was on Good Morning America with George? Stephanopoulos. This is the the most fun part of the entire interview. He reveals there was a security breach. And uh, you'll find out what that security breach was when he tells George Stephanopoulos on Good Morning America in this clip. Listen now. The security is is insane. I mean, the the, the company, they, they were really nervous about anything getting out. And so, you know, they, they had only a handful of scripts and they were printed on crazy, uncopyable paper. And it was uh, and then one of our actors, and I'm not going to say which one I want to, but I won't, uh, <laughs> left it under <clears throat> their bed. And it was found by someone who was cleaning their place. And it was g- given to someone else who then Oscar went to sell Isaac. it on eBay. And someone at the company said, you know, there's a script that looks like it's a legit script that's for sale on eBay. And uh, it, so you it, bought it. And, and so um, and, and they got it back before it sold. So with all the security, uh, you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be careful. No matter. I love the audible gasp from the crowd when he <gasps> said <"We're> on eBay. <gasps> oh, <laughs> somebody going to lose their job. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't. So let's start yeah. speculation now. Who was you it? said Oscar Isaac. I said Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that's who I believe it was. But see, I note that J.J. keeps to the very nonspecific gender of their bed when he says that. Their bed. He wouldn't say his or her bed. Right. So it could be anything. So I'm thinking it's Ridley. I'm thinking it's Daisy. Really? Why would you just assume that I'm like top dog right there? Lead. Well, she is one of the few. She is one of the few who would actually have a complete script at her disposal. You think everybody else had sides? Yeah, yeah. We know supporting players only saw little bits and pieces, and they uh, were able to read the script under uh, direct security supervision in undisclosed locations. All right. So you're saying everybody else had sides. With the exception of maybe no, Daisy no, Ridley no. I'm not Adam saying that's what, I'm. I'm not saying that's what they had, but or access to, because I think a lot of people were able to read the script, but who was able to take the script home with them? Yeah, uh-huh. I think that's what I'm talking uh-huh. about. Very few individuals, and uh, Daisy Ridley would definitely be on that list. So, uh, Daisy. As uh, would be very convenient, uh, showed up on Good Morning America the very next day. 
and uh, sat there with uh, Robin Roberts, and uh, they uh, talked about this uh, big security breach. There was a major security breach that somebody let their script get out of their hands and it landed on eBay. And apparently people assume it was me. Okay. And Jimmy Mack Now, does. I'm not going to throw the person under the bus who it is, but there is someone else potentially coming on the show this week <laughs> who can answer the question as to who that was. Boyega. It wasn't me. I know, and we know who's coming up later yeah. this week. Yeah. So we'll let people look at the TV guide and figure that yeah. one out. Well, yeah. You're good, you're good, yeah. you're good. TV guide? What is good, it, 1989? <laughs> He's looking at the TV guide. What is George Costanza's dad perusing through the pages? Oh, but that was um, that was uh, the guy on the Today Show. So that would be promoting a different network if they were referencing oh, this was Today some- Show. No, this was Good Morning America. I'm just saying. You can't make a George Costanza reference like that because that was oh, today's show. Was Al Roker, right, right, right. Right. Al Roker, right. Right. So who else was coming up on uh, Good Morning America? This well, week? that's a good question. And so I am perusing TV Guide right now as we speak. We are recording the show on uh, Tuesday night, Thanksgiving week. And I'm noting on Wednesday morning, Thanksgiving week, Actor John Boyega is spotlighted on Good Morning America. Totally Boyega. So it's got to be Boyega because, quite honestly, I don't see any other teases for the rest of the week. And I believe that, uh, oh, they are doing a Thanksgiving show. But no Star Wars actors are going to be on that show. Boyega is the only other actor who has been promoted for this week on Good Morning America. So since this episode is being recorded prior to Boyega's appearance, what I'd like to do is uh, step into the RFR time machine and turn it forward 24 hours from this moment. Okay. And let's hear John Boyega confess to his sloppy mishandling of one of the most top secret productions in Hollywood history. Here's the clip. J.J. Abrams was here on Monday, gave some breaking news. Oh, he yeah? said someone lost a script, oh, wow. and the script ended up on eBay. Oh. And Daisy Fake. Ridley Fake. was here, and Daisy said, it's not me. Daisy so, said it's not her? And she said it wasn't her, so I'm curious, um, whose script was oh, it? All right, guys, it was me. Oh! But wait, wait. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How did that happen? Look, let, let, let me tell you how this all went down. Well, I, what happened look, was... Look, look, look what, what, what happened was... It, <laughs> It was actually from my apartment. I was moving apartments and I left the script under my bed. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to leave it under my bed. When I wake up in the morning, I'll take it and then then move. But then my boys came over and, you know, we started partying a little bit. And then um, the script just get, it it just, it just stayed there. Yeah. And then a few like weeks after, you know, this cleaner comes in, finds this script and then puts it on eBay for like 65 pounds. So the person didn't know the true value. You know, and I actually thought this is a great opportunity for the fans to read the movie before they see yeah. it. Maybe I'm onto something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm sure that's exactly what JJ yeah. had in mind when yeah, he gave you yeah. that script. Yeah, yeah. yeah let him oh, read it, it was first. scary, man. I was like, I got calls from every official. Even Mickey Mouse called me like, what did you do? <laughs> John Boyega, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yes. So it Boyega. wasn't Oscar Isaac. It wasn't Daisy Ridley. It was John Boyega. Now, do you think Robin Roberts is going to remember to ask Boyega this question that was teed up by Ridley? 
No, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I, I think this is all, you know, a big uh, thing that's been manufactured by Disney publicity, uh, noting that ABC is a Disney company, uh-huh. noting that they can uh, come up with some kind of crazy story about a leaked script on eBay. JJ says it on Monday. Daisy denies it on Tuesday. So everyone's going to tune in to hear what Boyega has to say on Wednesday. And out of the three of them, you know, Boyega is probably at the bottom of the barrel as far as must tune in to see when you compare it to J.J. Abrams and Daisy Ridley. No knock on John himself, but he just doesn't have the star power of a Daisy Ridley or a J.J. Abrams. So what are they going to do to pump up his appearance? Turn him into a thief. Or uh, not a thief. Um, not a thief. Um, a, 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 a sloppy. Uh, I'm not saying Boyega did this on purpose either. <laughs> My grasp of uh, Hollywood PR is really uh, something that's very special. I just turn him into a thief. That's. I'm going to drum up ratings. Make make him a dirty thief. He's not even the thief. He's just the careless guy that left it under his bed. What is this, a Playboy magazine? What's he leaving (laughs) under his mattress for, for God's sake? Do you think he read his script under the covers with a flashlight? What's going on? This isn't your National Geographic. This is the Star Wars. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. So, I mean, oh. it's either housekeeping at the Boyega residence uh-huh. that should be, uh, we should be suspicious about. So somebody, yeah, so someone stole the script, a housekeeping. From the man's house. Yeah, that seems uh, fishy to me. I think Boyega's in on this. I think uh, he wanted Daisy Ridley money for episode nine and ended up getting Anthony Daniels money. So he's trying to make his bones by selling the script on eBay. And uh, and now he's been busted. He's been busted by Good Morning America and Rebel Force Radio. You've heard right. it here first. Yeah. It well, last, I'm sure. It's probably America. the last time you're going to hear about it. Um, okay. So we've got one more Daisy Ridley clip here. And this is... Uh, oh, about the, the trailer that we all saw come out of D23 when we saw Dark Side Ray, which, by the way, we've not seen hide nor hair nor red eyeball of Dark Side Ray since that trailer. None oh. of the TV spots, the uh, actual theatrical trailer, the full length trailer did not have uh, Dark Side Ray featured in it. Jim, you speculated that this could be a scene that doesn't even end up in the movie. Mm. This could be the equivalent of uh, <laughs> of Jin facing down the uh, Tie Fighter no. in the no. Rogue One. You threw no. that out there as a possibility. I know, I you know, did. I know. Well, it, it's possible, it's but possible. Uh, unlikely, very unlikely. Uh, what what an incredible tease that was! Out of all the uh, pre footage we've seen thus far, nothing has got our heads swimming and people buzzing more than the sight of Ray holding a double-bladed, unfolding red saber. And so uh, let's hear a little bit about uh, Daisy's reaction to that Dark Ray reveal in the trailer and see if she drops any other hints about where her character might be heading in Episode Nine. When JJ showed me the trailer, 
before they release it like the next day I could not believe that it was in there mm-hmm. it was so exciting mm-hmm. it was really an amazing moment because they released it in a convention yeah. uh, so there was a really big crowd um, does she go to the dark side she's a character who is struggling with two pulls to okay. the light and the dark and that is explored further mm. but where she ends up you'll have to wait of course we want to wait and see yeah. well done okay well done so she gets props twice from Robin Roberts for mm-hmm. teasing the uh, Boyega appearance and now uh, withholding Who the will uh, now reveal. Now forever be known as the thief. Well uh, done. On Rebel Force Radio. Well done, thief. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it, maybe that's our canon. Who knows? But, um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, see what this dark ray business is all about. And I found it very interesting that Daisy reveals in uh, that clip we just heard that, that Ray is tempted by the dark side in this film. And that's something we have not seen. Well, when she took that uh, dive into the weird dark side cave, mirror cave, nexus, whatever it was on Octu. You didn't even think um, twice about it. You were so tempted by the dark side. You didn't even think twice about it. You're evil! And Luke does also mention that uh, he saw the potential in Ray that was very similar to the potential he saw in Kylo Ren. This evil, this potentially evil, since before, my nephew! You're evil! Right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually justice? going to be uh, releasing a new commentary track for <laughs> The Last Jedi, which is just going to be Swank doing all the dialogue. So you'll be able to sync up your iPod with the video and hear Swank do all the dialogue. Like this classic line from Luke Skywalker. I came here to die. You think I came to the most faraway place ever to be found? (laughs) You think I'm going to walk out with my laser sword? Now say poop on a stick. Poop on a stick. There you go. Carrie. So. Again, we're just uh, having fun with speculation here and yeah. being irreverent. Uh, but Dark Side Ray yep. is, uh, is is definitely, you know, Ray's attraction to the dark side, I hope, comes more to the surface in this movie where we see her being actually tempted, where we see her actually slip a little bit and, uh, and, and make that move toward the dark side. Uh, she says where she ends up, that's that's what matters. And this could be what a lot of people are speculating is the rise of Skywalker. This is a third way. The light, the dark. We heard Luke talk a lot about that in The Last Jedi. He was looking for a way to sort of reconcile both of these things. A third way. It doesn't belong. You know, the Force doesn't belong to the Sith, to the the Jedi. It's it's something that belongs to everybody. Um, And that is actually a a philosophy that I can sort of back. I, I, there was there was a part of the J.J. Johnson verse that I appreciated, which was bringing the idea back that anyone can tap into the force if they're disciplined the right way. Sure, there are potentially biological advantages, just like we all have. Some people are going to be predis- predispositioned to have certain skills, certain abilities uh, more than others. But you can still get there with drive, determination and uh, practice. And I liked the idea that there was a Jedi inside each and every one of us, potentially. Um, 
so that's something I can get behind. So there you go. There's my little olive branch to uh, those of you. But you, you, rate, you sound like a fool. You just sound like a. I did not call fool. you a fool. A I fool. said you're making. You're, I said you're making a fool of yourself you're a by apologizing for that pathetic. I didn't apologize. Lied. Listen, this reminds me of this one time. It was the June 1999, <laughs> and I was with my friend Steve Swanson at the uh-huh. Billy Goat Tavern on Lower Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago. The famous uh-huh. Billy Goat Tavern. Cheeburger, cheeburger, cheeburger. That place. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. We used to hang there mm-hmm. every other Wednesday for four-hour lunches. And Steve, at one point, stood up in the middle of the bar room, pointed at me, and said, you are a Jar Jar Binks apologist. And I swear to God, every head turned. Oh, it was one of those moments. Like in a head. movie. Yeah. Dead quiet. You didn't say I was acting like a fool, though. I didn't say. You showed me that amount of respect. I, I heard from Steve Swanson. Steve Swanson since uh, moved into a position at Apple and is out on the uh, West Coast now. But he sent me a text today. And it says, what is this S? It's a link. Uh-huh. Kathleen Kennedy on the difficulty of making Star Wars sequel films. There's no source material. We don't have 800-page novels and we comics. We don't have lots of source material. We don't have comic books and novels and... Steve, Steve's a- and- Video games. We we're not like Marvel. We we're making it up. That's my Kathleen. Your Kathleen Kennedy impersonation has really come a long way. Uh, but um, Steve says, and Steve's a casual fan. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe a little more than a casual fan. He's read some books. He was my buddy during the prequels. We'd go to movies and. You know, we go see uh, the Phantom Menace five hundred times. You know, he was your Pete Natal, a little bit, yeah. During that era, for sure, he was mm-hmm. because um, he was the only one who anticipated the films with me over the years. He was like my Star Wars buddy at work. You know, right. he was a pretty damn good radio producer himself, thanks to the training I gave him as my intern. Um, but uh, Steve says. He says, that's just straight up disrespectful, not only to the creators of the EU, but also the fans of that material. And like I said, Steve doesn't listen to podcasts. He doesn't watch YouTube videos. He doesn't go to conventions, but he's a pretty solid Star Wars fan who has read a few of the books over the years. And he continues to say, it's one thing to say nothing of the EU is canon, but to say S like that. Shaking my damn head, he says. The quote, uh, you know, we didn't, we, we talked a little bit about this interview. This is the Kathleen Kennedy interview with Rolling Stone. We talked about it in the last episode. We didn't make a lot of hay out of this. But since Steve brought it up, listen to this. Every one of these movies is a particular hard nut to crack. There's no source material. We don't have comic books. We don't have 800-page novels. We don't have anything other than passionate storytellers who get together and talk about what the next iteration might be. If that's not tone deaf, I, I, I don't know what is. Because it's, look, 
is it is it is it realistic to say that Kathleen Kennedy is unaware of this treasure trove? Absolutely. She knows exactly what it was. She referenced it as far back as those initial YouTube sit downs with George Lucas. She was talking about the treasure chest of characters and stories and, and, and the richness that was available to them. She in knows all fairness, I believe it was it was George who was the one who brought that up, wasn't it? Because I, I scrubbed through those interviews trying to find that moment where she said that. And I think it was George who actually. If it wasn't in those videos, it was in some kind of a quote because I remember yeah. her talking. I, I about seem to remember it myself, and uh, it came, it that did come up last week, and I, I struggle to actually find that, but I'm sure it's out there. So if somebody knows, send me an email. But but so for her to 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 say this in a way, I mean, come out and say we don't have comic books, we don't have 800 page novels. This is just this is just a total disconnect. She could say. We don't have the ability to lean on the great archives of comics and novels and other stories that have come before. We have a responsibility to tell new stories. Um, that would have been even better. But to just come out and, and, and act like, you know, this completely disconnected uh, leader. We don't have novels. We don't have comic books. What? We don't have jet. We don't have jet packs on our troops. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, JJ invented jet packs. <laughs> Come they fly on. They fly now. They fly now. George didn't come up <laughs> with that. All right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a very uh, it was a very tone deaf thing to say. Yeah. And a that whole bit. Yeah, that whole interview is full. We've got a little bit more uh, Jade or Kathleen coming up here, um, but I mean, but like, but just to illustrate the point, yes, that you know she says that, and I I see defenders of Kathleen saying, oh God, you know, um, this is just fodder for the haters. They're misinterpreting what she's saying, yada yada yada, and maybe maybe to a degree that's true. Don't say I'm acting like a fool because I'm I'm getting to a point here. So now I'm, af- I'm afraid to talk on my own damn show. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, it's not all about that. It's about the p- public perception of what's going on with the Star Wars franchise. Right. And we're not talking about haters and we're not talking about hardcore fans or fanboy tears or oh, man babies when we're talking about my friend Steve, who is just a regular guy who goes to movies and grew up with Star Wars and loves it, doesn't make it his life. He doesn't have a Star Wars room in his house like psychos like me have. He doesn't host a podcast every week. But he's still, in my book, just as connected to the Star Wars saga and part of the Star Wars family as any of us. He doesn't tweet about it. He doesn't Facebook about it. But he's as hardcore of a Star Wars fan as I personally know in my life. And... um that's his perception of what he sees. And, of course, the headline is real clickbaity, too. When it, I mean, the editors know what they're doing. They know Kathleen stepped in a pile of poodoo when she said that. Because, uh, you know, it's just tailor-made for her critics to jump all after. And, quite honestly, those critics have a lot of substance to their criticism when she's saying asinine things like that. So... You just 
she's showing you know, a tremendous it, it sounds, amount of disconnect. And, and for her to say it, it almost sounds like an excuse. I mean, even if she's right, even if their comics and novels didn't exist, for her to even bring it up sounds like just such a lackluster excuse. And what is she making the excuse for? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, you know, that sits about as well with me as this whole uh, parade that we're throwing about the end of the Skywalker saga. Well, we knew this was coming. Sure. But this was this was the end of something. Nobody asked for the end of it. And it's almost as if it's it's sort of like there's there's two stories here. There's the side of it where it's like you almost feel that 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 Disney and Lucasfilm are like, oh, thank God we survived. it. It's over. We can uh, let's just wrap this up because we just can't please anybody. There's that aspect of it. Yes. Right. And 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 then there's the aspect of it where they're almost like kind of like shoving it in our in our face a little bit like this is the end. You're done. The Skywalker saga, this this whole thing that you have uh, have have, have spent 40 plus years um, heralding and holding up and and uh, coming back to year after year, week after week, whatever the cadence is for you personally, uh, is, is, is over. And so it's, I just, I don't understand this, um, uh, this parade they're throwing for themselves about the end of the Skywalker saga. And even got JJ Abrams in his interview with Rolling Stone, um, talking about, let me, let me see if I can find the quote, um, about this, about this being the end um, every says, saga has a beginning. Every well, they, saga crashes and burns. They ask him, they no, say, sorry, why that's... must this be the end of the Skywalker saga? This is from the, uh, this is J.J. Abrams and the Secrets of Skywalker from Rolling Stone. This just came out. And he says, I felt going into this, even on episode seven. I don't remember if this was discussed or not, but it felt like this was the final trilogy. It felt like it earned being the conclusion of that story. Who's to say what comes next? Is there something else to be done that involves any of these characters? I'm working, I'm working on nothing, so I'm not hinting at anything. I'm just saying, who's to know? But it just felt like the end. Yeah. You know why yeah. it felt like the end? <laughs> it, it only felt like the end after episode eight laid a big, a big egg on their plans for yeah. the Star Wars film saga. They With were... the uh, solo box office disaster chaser, too. Don't forget that. Right. Which is a right. direct result of The Last Jedi. I mean, it only makes sense. You can point at the great box office for The Last Jedi. That's because people went to see it. So many people went to see it, they refused to see the next film, Star Wars film, that was released because they were so let down Right. And the, the reason, and the, right. And the reason The Last Jedi didn't match or eclipse the box office of The Force Awakens, so I'm wearing the shirt, is because they didn't go back and see it time and time and time again, like they did The Force Awakens. I saw it three times. I saw it five times. That didn't happen with The Last Jedi. So that's why the box office was, what, about, what, three quarters? I think it was about three quarters of what The Force Awakens was. Yeah. But I mean, you're comparing it to the biggest film release of domestic uh box office so yeah i i i get that but it was it was the the repeat viewing wasn't there the repeat viewing wasn't there is my point 
let's be fair. I mean, more than just content, the, the, the price of going to a movie isn't exactly accessible to a lot of people to go see Star Wars 50 times. There was a, there was one theater chain that was offering a, a pass, like a Last Jedi pass that you could buy for X amount, like 100 bucks, 150 bucks or something. And then you could just go and see the movie as many times. You they know? rolled you that can... out for Last Jedi, or was that a Force Awakens thing? I'm pretty sure they rolled that out for Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah. That seems kind of fresh on my memory. Um, I don't know how successful get, that I'd was. I'd love to get into more uh, of this. I think it's going to have to wait till next week. Get That's into more of this JJ interview with uh, Rolling Stone, because it's really good. There's a lot of really good stuff in it. Um we got a couple of uh, oh, look, co- one more thing about that JJ comment. Yeah, he's yeah. very specific when he said, "Well, it felt like to me that it was the end." That removes him from contradicting any sort of like corporate plan that may have been in place. But the public plan that we're aware of is that they wanted to do a saga film and a Star Wars story film on alternating years. Right. So you would get episode seven, then a Star Wars story film. Episode eight, then a Star Wars story film. Solo tanked. The Last Jedi turned out to be the most divisive film of Star Wars history. And so they had to pull back on all of those plans. Five movies in. That was their plan. They wanted to run it indefinitely. As a matter of fact, the plan was, in my opinion, designed to evolve into multiple Star Wars films a year to copy the Marvel template. Yep. They thought that's where the solid gold was, and it was, it was something that could be easily replicated with the Star Wars franchise. And uh, the, the fan divisiveness that The Last Jedi promoted and then the fan apathy that Solo promoted made them go back to square one. And that's where we're at right now. The Last Jedi is fulfilling the original plan. The phase one of the Disney era of Star Wars, if you will. I think we've already entered into phase two with the Mandalorian. Yeah. I think that's where you want to consider the future of the franchise in television. There are rumors out there that we could be hearing about the future plans of Star Wars as soon as January 2020 after the dust is settled on episode nine. I think that's premature. I think we're going to be hearing about the future of Star Wars at the earliest in the springtime. That's at the earliest. It could hold off till Star Wars Celebration, too, for some big bombs. And And that happens in August. And and, and don't think for a second that it's out of the realm of possibility that you won't see characters from, maybe even the titular character, from the Mandalorian on the big screen at some point. Don't say titular. This is a family show, Jason. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, of clips here. Um, we'll we'll kind of keep things a little bit light as we uh, wrap things up. But this is Daisy Ridley on the uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and Daisy was on. And of course, as we said, you know, everyone's talking about Baby Yoda, including. Daisy Ridley. So here's uh, Jimmy Fallon asking Daisy about Baby Yoda. I have to ask you a question. I think it's on everyone's mind. Mm. Um, Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
what's cuter, Baby Yoda or a Porg? Baby Yoda. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, look, I'm not a big fan of the Porgs. <laughs> Thank you. We worked for six months on The Last Jedi, and in every interview, what about the Porgs? I was like, the Porgs were there for a day. I was there every day for six months. We worked hard. We really worked hard. Yeah. Stop asking me about Porgs. Yeah. So to finally settle it, it's... Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah, Baby Yoda yeah. all the way. I love it. All right. Now, Baby Yoda it is. Uh... Sounds fueled, fueled by jealousy a little bit. Yes, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like she was, you know, uh, no huge uh, fan of the Porgs. As we said, you know, the Porgs were an invention uh, of necessity because of all of those puffins that were, you know, uh, flitting about and flying out around Skellig Michael. Um, But, uh, yeah, so Daisy was on with Jimmy Fallon, and, and she not only talked about Baby Yoda, but she also really kind of brought everyone up to speed. So if you haven't been following the Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga, there was Daisy Ridley ready to provide you with a, uh, well, her own musical version, this rap, wrap-up of the Skywalker saga. Ago in a galaxy far, far away, a guy named Vader tried to kidnap a rebel princess, Leia. So she employed a droid to record her a quick note. She said, Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Go! Hyperspace Zoom, set up some battle plans in an R2. C3PO saying they're doomed until they're bought by a farmer named Luke. Hey! His voice is strong. Obi Wan hasn't heard that name in long. Solo shoots first, don't say that I'm wrong. It took him 12 parsecs, but his castle wrong. Sure, Chewie was charting the course Luke learned the way of the force Blew up the Death Star, he had no remorse He got a medal, he's ready for more Strike back, rebels on Hopper attack Yoda shows up and talks back Words battle with Boba Fett, put up a fight Hang up frozen cover night Burr, wasn't the plan Suddenly Luke is in need of a hand Let no Carissian let them to slaughter And Darth Vader said to Luke I am the father What? She mentioned the bikini? Yeah, I heard that. You were quite hideous. Vader protected his kid. I'm not kidding, I'm serious. Blew up the Death Star because it was a trap. Shout out to Ewoks because they had a book. Prequel time! Back in the day, little boy Anakin loved to pod race. Padme escaped. Double one eight. The ending for Qui-Gon Dream wasn't so great. Attack of the clones, ten years pass, Anakin's grown. He falls in love, but his master is captured, his mother is killed, and then that spells his ass up. Mace Windu, Anakin loses an arm to Dooku. Secret marriage, twins in the carriage, Palpatine Savage, and Vader breaks through. Trying to think, who did I forget? What's his name? Lisa called Jatam Kings. Total diss! Diss on Jar Jar. Everything that you fear to lose, be the spark that lights the fire, and may the force be with you. Oh. Oh. Daisy Ridley, everybody! Oh, 
Oh, very good, Daisy Ridley. I got to say, though, Luke really got, I think he even got more short shrift in Daisy's rap than he did in The Last Jedi. It was like, I mean, it was like the first reference to Luke in the prequel, in the sequel trilogy was like, Luke Skywalker gone? And then she, <laughs> she just moved on. I could have used some closed captioning in on that because uh, I didn't understand half of what she was saying. <laughs> However, I do think it was impressive. She was able to handle all of the dialogue and the lyrics of that rap without stuttering or tripping up, getting tongue tied or anything. But there was just something about that that made me cringe a little bit. It's a little cringy. Yeah. But you know, you know what? what? Fallon always does that to his guests. He always puts. Yeah, you know, I guess he does. Cracking eggs I guess, on but I mean, and... watching Daisy rap and this isn't the first time she's rapped. Last time she was on Fallon, she did a little rapping. But uh, it's like Natalie did the rapping uh, on SNL. Remember that suburban dude in high school who uh, was probably a jock and thought himself as a big hip hopper and he'd be rapping in the hallways and stuff. I kind of get that cringy feeling watching Daisy rap that I used to get watching that guy rap in high school. That, that so. guy was me, by the way. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, you never I was, rap. I, I was known as Lil J. Get out Lil of J, here. Lil J, you know, L-I apostrophe. No way. <laughs> no way. Get out. Oh, let's man. Hear something. Let's, let's hear Come on. Let's do some. Uh, no, no, some, no, no. I'll, I'll no, beatbox no, for you. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, you know what? Should we leave? Should we leave on a high note? Yeah, my microphone almost is, wanted to leave the room when I started beatboxing. You know what? We need to leave. We need to leave on a voicemail because we, we, we promised with our Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. That we'd make this about the listeners. And the, again, Folks, there's so much news out there. There's so much stuff it's to so talk hard. about. I've got this whole stack of stuff that we didn't get to. We're going to get to it uh, next week. We, we've got to because we've got Kathleen Kennedy out there. She's talking about sitting down with George. And- <laughs> <laughs> this is, hey, you know, back in the old days, we always used to devote our Thanksgiving show to listener feedback and voicemail. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so hard to do during the holiday season of 2019, because let's face it, we just saw an immensely popular star Wars live action TV show launch. We got a video game, the Jedi fallen order. And people have asked, Hey, how come you guys aren't talking about Jedi fallen order on your show? Well, I think we will, because guess what gang I'm playing it. I actually signed up. I have an EA account and everything. So I am, uh, I am. What have you done with Jimmy Mack? And it's such a fun game to play. They have. Are you a like gamer a, now? Are you? They a, have are like, you a, like a, di- a gamer. They have different settings on this game. You can set it. it there's one. It's called. Your. It, it, it says clearly. It says. It might as well have said that. It said interested in, um, gameplay and with more attention on the story. Oh, and okay. so the right, challenges right. of playing aren't necessarily as intense but it's a lot of fun to play the game and you get to move the story along i do know that there is video of all the cutscenes from jedi fallen order out there on youtube but it's like four hours worth dude of i saw that just the right. cutscenes are like four hours right but i hear that there uh-huh. are some bombshells some star wars canon bombshells that confirm things that we may have considered to be a little mysterious. I don't know what they are <laughs> because I'm trying to play the game. Now, my biggest problem with video game play is the time I need to allot to play the game. 
And the way my week has been shaken out for a holiday week, there has been no downtime for me. But I have spent, I'd say, three hours playing the game. That's a commitment, my friend. That is a wow. commitment. Dude, and, I, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and you there be, is. You should be vlogging this. You should be live streaming. You should be on Twitch. Jimmy wants playing to, last Jedi I play. Order. I play on my PC. And I use the keyboard and the mouse. I don't have a controller. So a lot of people will be like watching me struggle to, you know, what is that space bar? What am I supposed to do here? You know, constantly referring to the uh, instructions and stuff. But even that, even buy, so. Dude, I would buy tickets to it. What are you talking about? You're <laughs> stream it. I would buy a ticket to see this. Even so, it's been a great game. I mean, the oh, lightsaber action and stuff, it's its a real blast. I, I don't think the, it's being overhyped at all right now. This is one of the most enjoyable yeah. Star Wars video games I've played in a long time. That's great and to know. Steam is offering a huge sale, autumn sale, going through December 3rd on their entire library of Star Wars titles. You can get them all for under 100 bucks. It's like 80 bucks. It's you can play 70, them all? Yeah, it's like 70% off the uh, list price. Wow. So I think I'm going to be um, keeping myself very v- busy in the uh, video game world as we uh, go into the holidays. So do expect some Jedi Fallen Order conversation well, to be happening as I will play it and then reveal uh, things to Jason along the way here on the show. That's so. great to know. Now, my son, Parker, he loves watching this guy on YouTube, Game Unboxing Reviews. Yeah. He seems like a really cool guy. So he's been playing that. And uh, so I've got this all in my YouTube queue. So I'm going to be following along with him as he plays the game. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about it. And we will we will cover it. Uh, I love what I'm seeing as far as the uh, action figures that have come out for the Black Series. I love the character designs, the, the concept, the idea behind the game, and all the reviews of the game itself um, make me very excited about it. So, hey, uh, so sending us off this week, uh, it, again, it is our Thanksgiving episode. How about our buddy Eric from Phoenix? He left us a voicemail. He wants to talk about C-3PO in that last, um, I guess it was the the Twitter trailer that we saw. Uh, just we were talking about on the last episode. So take it away, our pal from Phoenix, Eric. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is Eric from Phoenix. And I'm getting around to listening to this week's RFR episode. And you guys were just going through the new TV spot that came out um, and talking about C-3PO. Um, and there's a little bit more C-3PO dialogue where, you know, he's going to take one last look at his friends. And I had the thought, what if when C-3PO, if he gets his memory wiped, when he wakes up, he doesn't have C-3PO's voice anymore? It's Richard Dreyfus with that oily car salesman voice that George talked about how he was originally going to have C-3PO sound. I don't know why. It just made me smile thinking of that. Do I think that's going to happen? No. Um, but uh, could be kind of funny. A little homage back to George and what he originally was going to have C-3PO sound like. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. Talk to you later. It was a great white shark. That's my Richard Dreyfus there. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's all I got there. But that's uh... <laughs> not bad. We're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> well, that was Roy Scheider. Uh, I think he was the one. But um, wouldn't that be funny? I mean, wouldn't yeah, yeah the right. bigger boat was Roy Scheider? Yeah, I think you're was right. It? 
I think you're right. All right. You're looking at me incredulously. Well, no, I'm, I'm, it was more of, um, my facial expression was, uh, reacting to my potential screw up of a classic cinema line from Jaws, a movie, a movie I have seen 500 times as well as Star Wars. And you and your brother, uh, Bill just quote relentlessly back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed at myself. Hey, speaking of which I I keep thinking of you and Bill every time I think uh, here about the Irishman, which premieres this weekend on Netflix. Uh, So we got the reunion of Bobby De Niro and, uh, and Joe Pesci. Plus you throw in a little Al Pacino directed by Martin Scorsese. This is a this is a big deal. We might even have to do like some sort of special Rebel Force Radio look at the Irishman with Billy Mac, Jimmy Mac, and myself. Yeah, this, that would be a Patreon huge. exclusive. Yeah, definitely if sure. we get around to that. We'll see yeah. what happens. But uh anyway, getting back to Eric from Phoenix, uh the 3PO dialogue, that would be a funny little Easter egg. Is can you imagine finally giving 3PO that 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 voice that George in originally envisioned he wanted him to be this guy i don't remember it being a, a richard dreyfus was that well, true the, the, at one point or is he conflating some things there the reference to dreyfus comes from the uh saturday night live bit from the late 90s where they did a bit about celebrity auditions for the original star wars it's a classic bit everyone remembers it and daryl hammond was <laughs> oh, that's right he was portraying yeah. Rich Dreyfus auditioning as C-3PO. I'm sorry, who's in there? It's Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> damn you! I told you I didn't want to wear the damn mask! Okay, just, just do the scene, Richard. What I really need is a droid that understands the binary languages of moisture evaporators. Evaporators? Sir, my first job was programming binary load lifters. Very similar to your evaporators in most respects. Thank you very much. Now, listen, I can do that better, okay? Thanks, but uh, we've got all we need. Look, I don't need this. I was in Jaws, okay? Okay, thanks. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's right. So that's that's, that's what he's referenced. But what George <laughs> initially intended for C-3PO to sound like was a used car salesman from the Bronx. So he'd have this real kind of, you know, rough East Coast accent to him. And uh, he'd be uh, fast talking kind of. Yeah, see, we're going to. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I should right, jump but, in. But it, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been super uh, colloquial and very American. And that would have completely changed, you know. I wouldn't have looked at Horatio Sands' ridiculous, awful character in episode one of The Mandalorian the same way had we seen a kind of, you know, Brooklyn-accented droid in episode four 40-some years ago. I would have felt very differently about it. Other examples of aliens in the Star Wars universe who speak English include Maz Kanata. Did you think of that? Did you think of Maz Kanata? Did you think of Admiral freaking Akbar? Okay, but Maz Kanata has a an exotic kind of, you know, Lupita puts kind of a African kind of affected. Oh, she's Kenyan way of talking, right? Um, but Horatio Sands was just like a guy that's just brought off the street. Hey, can I be in a Star Wars movie? Can I be in a cart? Can I be in that show? I'm Horatio Sands. I think you're. It was so basic. I think your your 
your uh, idea that it was a character kind of taken from Star Trek, especially like Next Generation era Star yeah. Trek. Forehead of Something the week. Not a Galaxy Quest or the Orville. <laughs> Orville, you know. yes, exactly. Kind of like that a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> But you know what? I other than that, I mean, that is a small complaint. I, the, every time someone comes up to me and says, "Have you seen the Mandalorian? What do you think of the Mandalorian?" and just like sheer perfection. <laughs> I say, I love the blue guy from the first episode. What do you think of him? <laughs> he was awesome. Chewy, get us out of here. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap things up this week. I tell you, it's just not enough time. Guys, if we could, if we could get about uh, a couple hundred more Patreon supporters, we might just do this show every night. Ooh. 200 more Patreon supporters. But we'll just do this show every night. I and mean, there's so much to talk about. Plus, you guys are so generous with your time, not only listening to the show, but also leaving us voicemails and sending us emails. We, we just can't possibly get to all of it. And uh, you know what? It's 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 a good problem to have, yeah. let me tell you. But uh, there, we, we've got so much more left for the next episode of Rebel Force Radio. Um, but as Jim mentioned uh, earlier, you've you got to check out Patreon. It's where you can get all access to all things and everything Rebel Force Radio, including all of our bonus content. From RFR Rush Hour to the Rewind to Q&A and uh, early notification of events like Skywalker Rises in Ohio. So please make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio. We really appreciate the support that we get uh, from you all. Also, uh, if you'd like to interact with us, we'd love to get those emails and those voicemails. The email address is show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line 708-3201-RFR. That's 708-320-1737. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And your source for all things and everything Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com, the official website. The holiday season is upon us. Don't forget about Rebel Force Radio merch. If you're anything like me, you might have a few holes in that Rebel Force Radio t-shirt <laughs> that you're wearing. Or you might have gained a few pounds since the last time you bought one. So it's a great time to check it out. Go to rebelforceradio.com. Go to the merch tab and uh, check it out. And get yourself maybe a new hat, a new shirt, maybe a coffee mug for your Christmas vacation. We have vacation. hats? When do we get hats? I don't Do we have hats? We should get yeah, hats. Yeah, you, just, you said you get a new hat. we just have to like, turn the button on. All right, well... Uh, I guess I got something to do this weekend. Got to make sure that we get hats. <laughs> we it's a, get it's an option hats. for us. Let's get some hats. We should have hats. Um, also, another way you can show your support of Rebel Force Radio is uh, through your podcatcher of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or iTunes or uh, whatever you got. There's a lot of ways you can show your support, including leaving a review. Could be a three star, four star, five star, whatever it is, or comments. Doesn't matter what it is. We just have one rule on those reviews. Please make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio. We're streaming online at YouTube, iHeartRadio, 
Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, just about anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find us, Rebel Force Radio. We're everywhere, everywhere you want to be as we uh, celebrate and count down the days and the weeks left of the Star Wars, or I should say the Skywalker saga. The Star Wars saga will live on long after we're gone, I'm sure. Plus, happy Thanksgiving. And don't forget, the day after Thanksgiving, episode four of The Mandalorian. And, Your Black uh, Friday ain't so black no more. No, especially because we'll be back with yeah. the Rebel Force Radio Mandalorian After Show live with your phone calls on Friday. So, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it. Happy Thanksgiving. We love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm... I'm Sonia. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always. <laughs>